0: Good morning everyone welcome back to another episode of the happy and retrospective here on the waffle press podcast i'm your host diego crespo with me today is my co-host macaringo hey we're here to talk about two very different films um i i don't really have anything to tee these up because they're very strange uh, a very strange very, pairing uh,
1: in contrast
0: <laughs> yeah um we're here to talk about Empire of the Sun, the Steven Spielberg film from 1987, and Anger Management, the 2003 American buddy comedy directed by Peter Siegel, starring Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. We're going to talk about Empire of the Sun first, because that might be less emotionally draining. That's (laughs) not true. Um, I I realized two things. I hadn't actually seen the ending of Anger Management in the many – well, not the many. In the few times I've seen the film. And I don't think I'd ever seen Empire of the Sun. So we're going to talk about Empire really? of the Sun first.
1: You know what? I had seen it once, and I mostly didn't remember it. <laughs> so I kind of had
0: a first viewing okay.
1: experience.
0: Uh, it's, it's a little... Here, I'm just going to get into it. I think the film's a little long. Um, I think at times it might be like Spielberg's attempt at doing like a, like a Kurosawa drama. And not just cause of, obviously it's about World War II and uh, the, the Japanese invasion of uh, China, but in the blocking and the colors and like the compositions with the crowds, I, I see yeah. a lot of like inspiration there. And I also think it's really great, <laughs> like a lot mm-hmm. of the time. <laughs> and I found it very moving um, and the ending is just kind of fine like it just kind of ends I, and I didn't feel like a huge like crescendo moment which is maybe kind of the point but I don't know I thought it was, it was it was pretty dang good
1: um yeah I think I uh I think I I liked. I love this okay really. um I I was it was weird because this one um it has it, it continues to have mixed opinions to this day um, this one seemed to get... We talked about Color Purple recently. This one seemed to get more mixed reviews than Color Purple. Like, this one, I think people were kind of like, get it together, Spielberg. Um, <laughs> at least that's the tone of some of the reviews I was reading. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a, a huge step up from the Color Purple in my yeah,
0: opinion. Yeah, I, I do too. When it first started, I was like, yeah, this is like solid, it's a little slow. And then the invasion happens and it just, like... It completely elevates the film. And obviously it's got, like, a... Like, it's kind of got, like, the inverse of the Spielberg wonderment that he's known for. Where it becomes, yeah. like, really scary. And not, like, a yellow peril kind of way. Um, I, I think someone could make an argument for maybe Spielberg not ha- like having the best handle on race stuff still, for sure. Once the... The Christian Bale characters separated from his parents like it it really felt like scary like from a from mm-hmm. a, it really got to, you know the child perspective of being lost in a changing world and I don't know how anyone could relate to that now, of course, but it um <laughs> i I found it very moving
1: <laughs> yes um I actually really liked the beginning of it um I like the illustration of just like his his isolated life, like his, his really sheltered life, even though he's literally living, living in Shanghai as world war II is ramping up, mm-hmm. you know? And I, 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 really liked that element. And I did like that. And then when it shifts gears into like, Oh, you're alone in this world. Um, yeah, I don't know. It really struck a nerve with me. I will say, I think the ending gets a little ham fisted. Um, I, I, you can see what Spielberg's trying to do. And it doesn't totally work, um, but it works enough <laughs> for me. Uh, and there are parts I, I could watching it, I could see why people didn't like it because there is John Williams' music is doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, that, in that I have that
0: in my notes too. Or I'm like sometimes I'm like, no, 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 tone it down, tone it down.
1: Yeah, you could have pulled back a little bit on the John Williams, even though it's a fantastic score. Um, and also it. It really leans into like the, you know, he ends up in a prisoner of war camp, and then it's like, a lot of that is portrayed as kind of fun, <laughs> in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, there you know? he,
0: it's like a very, and it's another moving element of the film where it's like, oh yeah, he found like a way to like get by, but it is a little whimsical, in a prison. Yeah, it is camp, a little whimsical, which is uh, maybe and, not the way to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe not, and, um, but I I. I don't I think it worked in a weird I way. Too. I
0: think it's a really yeah, great movie. I,
1: um and I think uh it came I think it spoke to me in particular without getting like too uh like vulnerable about it, but uh I can honestly really relate to like the idea that the world is falling apart around you, but you have like that childhood innocence. Like you don't really realize you have it either. And it gives you this weird strength that you get through it. And only when you get on the other end of this horror that you've experienced, do you realize that like, you've changed fundamentally in a way where if you had to go through it again, you wouldn't be able to get through it. Um, I think that it comes back to, and I think think Spielberg definitely injected it. Like my, my parents divorced when I was younger. Spielberg is a child of divorce. I think that even kids that Handle divorce well, and even if the divorce was ultimately the right idea, sometimes parents shouldn't stay together. I would argue. Um, I think it can shake up your world a little bit, and then when you look back, you're like, "But you got through it." Sometimes I think about the stuff I got through in my childhood that if I had to go through it now, I wouldn't be able to. You know, Mm -hmm. like it would it would break me fundamentally as a person. But because I was a child experiencing it and it wasn't like I was sheltered from what was going on it just whatever the signals of it didn't get through in the same way they would now and I think this movie really taps into that and it's a very hard thing for movies to tap into and I see people who they kind of fall one way or the other where it's like it's either all whimsy or it's all misery you Mm -hmm. know Uh, I've seen other films Uh, about kind of children going through traumatic events and it's kind of just pure misery. And it kind of forgets that like children still ultimately are children in a way. And it can influence how trauma really hits you. And I I don't know, I think this movie cut to that closer than some movies that I feel are just misery porn sometimes.
0: I, I would completely agree with that. I think the moment the movie really started to work for me well, again, during the evacuation attempt sequences early on. And mm-hmm. uh, the the kid, is, it's Jamie, right? Jamie? Jim?
1: No, Jamie. I mean, I think they call him Jim, but it's Jamie. Okay, yeah.
0: I think the Americans start calling him Jim because that's a very American yeah. thing to do. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. I mean, it's James because it's it's J.J. Uh, J.G. Ballard oh yeah we 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 can get into J.G. Ballard if you have
0: anything there but I I think the moment the the film really started working for me is when uh Jamie's going down the stairs and his parents are are taking him outside for evacuation he's like are we going to school today and it's like yeah of course a kid would ask that because it's like that's their world that world is no longer available to them and it will never be available to them ever again even when he goes back to boarding school if there's a conversation later in the film uh, like he, we don't see him return to an actual school situation and the, like he he he's end up he ends up in an orphanage late like like late late in the film, but he's never going to have that experience ever again of going back to the school that he he knew and understood like that that is yeah. gone forever and the whole film i think does such a good job of like exploring how how Jim goes through the process of like not understanding to like understanding on his own terms and like literally not recognizing his own parents immediately because just so much has changed that's like that's not the same kid that was anymore and even Mm -hmm. though it's like a happy ending for him it's not like a home run happy like this, this would change the trajectory of this did change the trajectory of so many people's lives at the time you know mm-hmm. and of course this is this isn't like a historical document it, it is it is a film adaptation, but it is semi autobiographical for uh for J. Yeah, D. based
1: on yeah, on his life he was um i believe he was in a prison camp um as a child the only like the the key differences are like he didn't go on like the grand adventure this kid did. and he was with his family, i believe the whole time he was in those camps, okay I think that's, like, the key difference, so, like, a lot of it is dramatized, but, um, I'm sure he put a lot... I've never actually read Empire of the Sun, I've read a lot of Ballard, but I've never read Empire of the Sun. Um, I remember it would, it would be on the shelf in my school library, and it always seemed kind of imposing, <laughs> honestly.
0: I, I'm definitely interested so. in checking more of his stuff out. Um, mm-hmm. other adaptations of Ballard, uh, there's Crash, which everyone yeah. knows <laughs> well, that's about the thing, now. it's, um...
1: Yeah, it's, it's a weird, uh somewhat of an anomaly in his work i mean he's written other autobiographical stuff but in terms of adaptation uh this isn't the stuff
0: that normally gets adapted
1: he also wrote high rise which was adapted not too long ago yeah
0: um i like that Uh, book and that film which i guess is like not controversial it's just got mixed reviews and i saw it and it's one of the few films that made me feel like i was losing my mind as i was watching it (laughs) so it was effective, is what I was, I'm saying.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I this is a fantastic film, and it features Christian Bale's most amazing transformation yet to a, a small English boy.
1: Yeah. It is shocking kind of seeing him as a child, like, now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, that kid's Batman.
0: Yeah, and like, he's just been a great actor, like, his whole life. <laughs> like, yeah. Is this one of the, like... This is one of the greatest child performances ever. I think that's fair to say.
1: Possibly, um, yeah. He's, he's terrific. Yeah, but,
0: is, is, is it the um, best
1: one? <laughs> like... It might be. It might be. Like... I mean, especially in terms of, like, that he never really lost it, either. Mm-hmm. You know, like, certain guys... Um, like, certain kids give, like, really terrific child performances, and then they never... They kind of don't transition into adult acting very well. Uh, but Bale kind of never lost it. So
0: Yeah. Uh let's see I,
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I don't know where to go with that. No, point. no,
0: I I mean it's a very like emotionally packed, dense film. Um, and there's I feel like we could go a lot of different directions, so I'm just gonna start with the cast. Uh John Malkovich is, is second listed in the film and he doesn't pop up until like almost an hour in.
1: Yeah, he pops It takes him a while to show up, and he's got a hell of an introduction. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, him and he's, Joe he's Panteliano.
1: Oh, yeah. Joey mm-hmm. Pants is back. It was on my monologue about steaks. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but, um...
0: <laughs> we'll get to that retrospective.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, fucking, uh, Ben Stiller. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I have that in my notes. And holy fuck, that's Ben Stiller.
1: <laughs> Which, I, I'm not sure if this was his, uh first film like i think this might have been ben stiller's first film as well like i think he might have done some television beforehand uh ben stiller has the fucking weirdest career he
0: has a very strange career he was in something called hot pursuit the same year as this but but i i
1: I get the sense that hot pursuit was probably a shorter production (laughs) so it's entirely possible he shot empire of the sun a full year before hot pursuit started filming yeah oh
0: my god yeah the only things he did before or like Caden Alley and Miami Vice and again that's if you're looking at the production stuff this might be his first movie yeah whoa what an opening um it's not it's not like we're talking about Ben Stiller because we're surprised he's in it it's not like he has a lot to do in this movie it's not really about him at all He just kind of like
1: I heard him in an interview once where he said he fucked up a take and uh he was like oh can we cut and like it caused problems on set because like Spielberg's the only one who says cut Mm
0: mm-hmm Oh, Ben.
1: I just remember hearing that story, I think, on, like, Howard Stern or something like oh, that. Oh, Ben. Oh, Ben. You're gonna be a director for, like, five minutes.
0: No, he's still a director, technically.
1: Yeah, but no one's watching him anymore.
0: No, he he just did a, a prestige television show, which is how you gauge success nowadays.
1: Yeah, but did anyone watch it? I don't know. <laughs> I started it.
0: Okay. Look, he did Zoolander and Tropic Thunder.
1: Yeah, but he also did Zoolander, too. Yeah,
0: but... Zoolander and Tropic Thunder. Those are his get-out-of-jail-free cards forever.
1: It's amazing that uh, your movie with blackface is your get-out-of-jail-free card.
0: Probably the the wrong choice of words for me. Moving on. <laughs> um, who else is in this film? You
1: know that movie, do you remember that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was nominated for an Oscar for that performance? Yep. So I don't want to hear any shit about fucking liberal Hollywood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> eh, um, Miranda Richardson is also in this.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's it's a, it's a pretty stacked cast. Unfortunately, the other movie might have a more stacked cast.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. But I wanted to bring up Miranda Richardson because she's also in Sleepy Hollow, so she's a retrospective returnee. Hey. Yeah, I guess Christian Bale is too because of Batman, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know. Um, and, uh, when I don't are know. Why don't we bring in Ben Stiller back? I'm to talk about Stiller Zoolander 2.
1: No, we're going to talk about heavyweights.
0: Uh. A friend Heavy of mine weights. just messaged me recently, was like, I was listening to the retrospective, so I was like, oh, thank you. And they're like, and you you don't understand, Heavyweights fucking rules. Heavyweights, <laughs> oh
1: yeah, fuck yeah, man, whoever said so, that. <laughs> heavyweights is great.
0: So, I don't know, I guess I, I do have to watch it at some point.
1: They did a very bad job on the poster for Heavyweights. The kid's supposed to be holding something up, but they didn't Photoshop his arm correctly. So oh. it's just hanging there in the air. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh, I also wanted to mention the cinematography, which is fantastic. It's by Alan De- Devoe. De- DeVoe. The same person who did uh, E.T. E.T. and Color Purple.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I miss this era where Spielberg would work with di- different cinematographers,
0: honestly. Well, well, and he also worked with Steven Spielberg on Amblin.
1: Oh, shit. So, like, so they always... go back.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of
1: nuts, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: However, this is the last collaboration he has with Steven Spielberg. I know. Yeah. His last film that he worked on is uh, okay, the Steven Summers Van Helsing, which I love. So
1: this he... here, he worked on the Tigger movie.
0: I never saw that.
1: Is that that's good? A... But ha... I thought you needed, like, a guy... Why do you get a live action guy? <laughs> maybe that's just my ignorance. I don't I don't
0: know. Um, maybe he like like, because uh, sometimes they'll bring in cinematographers to like help guide the look with the lighting and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. Like Deacons and his wife work on like a bunch of animated films. They just it don't It's weird like, Yeah.
1: It is weird that he never works with Spielberg again. I guess that once Spielberg gets Janice Kaminsky, like that's it, you know. Mm
0: hmm. Well, because he also worked with Dean Cundy on like Jurassic Park. Yeah.
1: But don't you think like not to be that like I don't want to get too down, but I like there's such a there's the these Spielberg films are so much more dynamic. Like, I just I, I wish that his movies kinda would look different occasionally. Like I'm They have like kind of s- looked
0: similar to every like like since The Lost World, they all kinda have that look.
1: Yeah. Like I don't I don't like that. I honestly don't like that Minority Report in War of the Worlds and Munich looks so similar.
0: <laughs> well, that was big in, like, the – we'll definitely talk about that as we get closer to them. But, like, the Bleach Bypass look yeah. was, like, a huge thing. It was such a huge trend that even now, if, if you follow me on any social medias, you know I've gotten into film photography recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have, like, certain film – or at least a certain film stock available for public consumption – uh, for your thirty-five millimeter cameras that are attempting to replicate the bleach bypass look, good lord! I am not a fan of it with with uh, still photography.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, but uh, good with still I, I do like it on
0: some films.
1: Yeah, and it, it, it does. I will say Spielberg uses it well occasionally, but it's just like it's weird that
0: that they the all look like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um we'll see how west side story looks we'll get there we'll get there
1: yeah that's you know hey
0: I'm and sure the fablemans be. which which oh, we'll get yeah. to eventually because uh kaminsky is also i mean kaminsky and spielberg work together all the time um but fablemans uh for those that don't know also shot around the area i grew up in and frequently still find myself wandering and i always thought man it would be great to make a coming-of-age story film here
1: well too fucking <laughs> no, no, no i'm like never mind. <laughs> Like you're not going to be that. Thank <laughs> you got god the guy I grew up so. in Syracuse, New York, is sitting no
0: one wants to film. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say Syracuse, New York, is kind of like your prison camp?
1: I mean, to be honest, I was drawing comparisons between this film and my childhood. Oh my god! <laughs> so. I will say not to, again, not to get too, but like. Oh, an incredibly weird thing about my childhood was that, like, when my parents divorced, I suddenly ended up, like, with joint custody. I ended up, you know, sometimes I would be with my father, sometimes I would be with my mom. And my dad lived in, like, like a, almost a parody of the suburbs-type area. It was in a cul-de-sac. It's, like, like the definition of sheltered, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't lock our doors. Neighbors would just walk into your house. And <laughs> oh, show And then my mother... Uh, moved into an apartment complex that was like in one of the worst parts of the city and i was like constantly being shuttled back and forth between those two areas and uh it, it had an influence <laughs> and um it's weird it gives you a weird perspective as a kid i didn't have anything constant like this of course and i don't want to you know draw direct comparisons but i like i totally got what the movie was going for watching it Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to use that as like a shield being like, and that's why you can't criticize this movie because it's my thing. Like, no, I'm not saying that. But I think other people who know what I'm talking about uh, will get it a little more.
0: Yeah, I, I think maybe that's why we both like Steven Spielberg because we're both children of divorce. That's the only <laughs> that's reason. Probably, that's that's
1: possibly it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, I and mean, there's a lot of fucking kids with divorce out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, and I liked your comment about how, like, no, sometimes that is the right thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Like, in my parents' case, it was 100% the correct thing to do. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. No, completely same. Completely. Yeah. And, uh, like, just, this is not related to the film, but there's, like, I guess, the, the studies in the polls show that, like, you know, divorce rates are higher than ever right now. And it's like, you know, maybe people are realizing that they don't have to get married. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have to, to just be with one person your whole life. And it's probably better, if that's the route you go, to not be with an individual <laughs> who's going to make you unhappy.
1: Well, I mean, why do you think they crack down on reproductive rights so much? Yeah. It's because it's, it's moral panic over the decline of the family.
0: Did you ever, like, consider satanic panic making, like, uh, getting its own reboot in a way? Like, cause that's a big thing right now.
1: I mean, yeah, but the 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 thing is, it kind of never went away. It just took on different forms.
0: Maybe that's it, cause like this is this is fucking this is stupid stuff on the like I see on Twitter. Like, might annoy me once in a while, but nothing really makes me angry anymore. mm -hmm. Like mid 2010s twitter you know what i mean yeah uh and i I definitely backed off tweeting about political stuff because everyone knows where i stand at this point uh in regards to certain things and that's what this podcast is for but i saw someone tweet out like oh you're all getting uh hooked on a show where contestants are killing each other for money that's the big thing wow that's how far like we've fallen from the light of god or something like that and i was like whoa
1: well i mean you know, not to get too like doom and gloom about it, but like as this country continues to decline, which is just what's going to happen, we're going to see more of that mm-hmm. because people are going to be like, "Well, where did it go wrong?" And that's going to be like, "Well, it was it was when we, we lost the moral center," which is what happens in every declining empire, <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna go through a weird moral panic. I mean, we already are going through it. Um, no, it's but, it's, like, it's
0: gonna get worse
1: because like cause the, cause it's just it's we're it's gonna be unstable for the next decade at the very least um, and people are going to we, we as much as like some of us try to like act like we're rebels and shit like that or people or people act like they're open minded and they're open to change people really aren't mm-hmm. <laughs> and they definitely aren't open to instability and your p- tradition is a very calming thing in times of instability but what usually happens is people go from finding solace in their own traditions to then thinking traditions should be mandated because you know you can find some comfort in your traditions but it can't solve anything and then you're going to think well if everyone was doing what i was doing things would be right and that's kind of where we're heading and that's part of the satanic panic we're going Mm. through right now
0: which is also an excuse for me to to uh, recommend midnight mass which we both liked because it's also kind of about well, not kind. Of, it's literally about like the different interpretations of faith and science, and like solace and and uh, zealotry. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, fascinating series, but a uh, different well, different direction from Empire of the Sun.
1: But I think Satanic Panic took on different forms, where it was like, because in the early two thousands, it was a hundred percent that like. Islam was Satanism, you know. Mm-hmm. Like people, like the really religious nuts in this country, were like, "No, we're fighting a holy war now." Yeah. <laughs> and George Bush That's... entirely leaned into that. Yeah. Not sure if he really believed it, but it definitely, he definitely believed it would win him votes, and it did. So uh, there was a lot of that. Um, remember, he then... tried to
0: like, like get his own like kind of redemption with his his cute little paintings. And I remember, he tried he had trouble putting on his raincoat at the inauguration. Wasn't that so? endearing
1: real, real cute real, real cute.
0: cute war criminal cute. blood in his well, hands. Yeah,
1: yeah he should be in prison yeah at like, the very least no no joke like yeah no <laughs> it was, we... it was not um, and when you let someone like that slide you're just letting worse people slide as well so um but hey uh and then remember when obama got elected and everyone was like obama's the antichrist
0: oh yeah and that was just because the republicans hate black people
1: yeah, 100%. Yeah, and it's we kind you know. Of nuts.
0: And now we're, we all rightfully have criticisms of Obama. It's yeah. not because he's <laughs> it's yeah, not he's that.
1: Not, he's not the actual devil. Yeah,
0: like Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, Christ. that's the
1: thing with conspiracy theories. And I also think the dangers, just to bring it back to this, the dangers of kind of like a childhood mentality is that it seeks to simplify things that you inherently can't simplify. And it's it's this thing of like we're all. We, everyone right now is going through the exact same thing where we realize something is fucking wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and the world is fucking, like, falling apart at the seams, right? We all sense it. Like, it's not, like, even people that are trying to act like they're in denial are not in denial. But we, we latch on to different reasons for why that is, and not to say that my reason is right, but I do believe my reason is Right. <laughs> And it's a, very, you know, it's, it's a series of complicated problems inherent to society right now, you know? And it would take a long time to explain why we're in a situation right now. And it's much easier to just say, no, there's one bad evil force out there in the universe that's causing all this, you know? It's literal Satan, which is what QAnon believes. Like, they believe all this shit is or- being orchestrated by the literal Satan and that Trump was sent by God to
0: save the world. You know? Yeah, good thing we're not doing a Mel Gibson retrospective, because then we'd have to talk about Jim Caviezel. Hey, now. <laughs> who is, well, I guess, the... now an active member of QAnon.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Which, I, I mean, knew. we
0: all saw it coming, but...
1: <laughs> I honestly didn't, because I haven't been paying attention to Tim Caviezel in forever.
0: <laughs> Probably was... the best move. What was the last thing he did of note? Uh, he did that CBS show that was actually really good. Oh fuck! I can't remember what it's called. Hang on, I gotta look it up because it's gonna bother me. Mm -hmm. Um, fucking. (sighs) I like how we're like it's this weird thing. Person of interest. Sorry, there you go. Okay.
1: But to talk about the uh, the weird uh, George W. Bush redemption arc that this country is given, um, it's weird that like Mel Gibson has also received one of those, and we're also in this deep panic about like cancel culture and stuff like that, and. Uh, The way I see it, like, if Mel Gibson can come back, cancel culture is not really a thing, at least if you're a rich celebrity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, does anyone want to ask Mel Gibson what he thinks right now? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Mel Gibson has just been very smart at not admitting uh, that he believes fucked up things right now. Mm -hmm. And I think if Mel Gibson had maybe, like, disappeared for a few years and come back and been like, look i believed really fucked up things about the jews because my father was a virulent anti-semite and yeah wasn't his his
0: father sorry to interrupt but like wasn't his father like a member of like the american nazi party or something he was
1: some Aryan group and he was also like a like it's not an exaggeration
0: (laughs) it's it's like a real thing
1: so it's like it makes sense that mel gibson would believe those things if you grew up under that roof you know Mm -hmm. but people are like can't we forgive mel gibson already and i'm like Look, I'd be open to forgiving him, but he has to give, he has to explain what he believed, why he believed it, and why he doesn't believe it anymore. You can't just go on TV and say, no, no, I like the Jews. It's like, dude, where did that come from? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Like, where you don't just say that. Yeah. Yeah
0: and like right. if he did like just straight up say that like today as we were recording on national television he'd be like okay you got the, the context though you got to you yeah. got to give your context you can it's a weird thing to just say <laughs> well I'm, yeah I'm
1: not saying just say that but cuz then he has to follow up with like and then I realized that was wrong for xyz reasons <laughs> you know like which that takes a lot of introspective introspection and a lot of deep thinking and a lot of being vulnerable that uh, most men are not willing to go through, frankly. Especially rich, powerful men. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the weird thing about uh, Mel Gibson, which has nothing to do with Empire of the Sun.
0: No, no, but, you know. Um, yeah, no, I don't don't know how to bring that back from there. <laughs> all,
1: all I'm saying is that, like, I guess they're... they're if we're talking about trauma and like the weird like loss of innocence like i i think people there's an inherent like sadness to the loss of innocence you know Mm -hmm. like that oh you know you lost something you could never get back and then you don't really realize you can lose it until it's gone you know you -hmm. don't realize you have it when you do but it's something we all have to go through and I think the, the weird imitators of Spielberg uh, think that innocence is something to be cherished and held on to. And it, that's not true. Mm. <laughs> that like, no, we need to, you need to grow up at some point and you need to see the world as it is. And now that's not saying you need to be like a cynical bastard, you know. It's not like a binary thing. You don't need to swing totally the opposite of the other way, but you have to understand the adult truths of the world which is that it's a very complicated place and i think an obsession with innocence leads to problems that we see in the world
0: right now Mm-hmm. might be why they're doing the third ghostbusters reboot attempts yes and uh i mean that's that's a leap from like genuine like war atrocities Yeah, it's yeah. obviously well, not no, comparable think...
1: <laughs> but i think there's something this will be a profound thing to investigate in a few years like what a lot of people are being forced to grow up really quickly you know uh, that have had to live through the Trump years and then the pandemic right Mm -hmm. and then the fallout of all of that and what is that doing to a generation and are they going to come out of it like Really like desperately trying to get back to that innocence that you can't ever get back to or are they gonna and we have a society that encourages us to find that innocence again and which is also bad and I like are we gonna have a a generation that is entirely emotionally stunted in that way I mean this thing could be said about segments of the millennial generation
0: oh completely
1: completely we... and so maybe it's just gonna be one of those things where it's like uh uh in conclusion, each generation is a world of contrast, but um, but I think that there is, because we also, we have to, we, we downplay, but the millennial generation did go through a huge time of instability, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like we had 9-11, we had the Iraq war, we had the Bush administration, we had the Obama years, we had the Tea Party, we had, basically we saw all the problems coming and saw no one try to stop it, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the time we all had enough power, it was a little too late. Um, so there's there's that trauma too. And then you meet millennials who are like, very cynical about the world. And then you meet those that are kind of like, they want this soft and gentler world that just doesn't exist. And you know, it's in, it'll be interesting to see what this pandemic does to the upcoming generation. And if culture, and I mean, um, the Marvel films are making less money, but they aren't doing, like, terribly. And they still kind of have some sort of foothold. And that is entirely a call of innocence, you know? Mm-hmm. That, you know, the, the re- there's a reason why the MCU took off during the Obama years. Because it was this weird reaffirming, like, no, but America's actually all right. We can do the right thing. <laughs> and the heroes will show up at the end of the day. And uh, that's not true. <laughs> uh...
0: I've been hyping up the Team Deacons podcast a lot lately, obviously, because it's, like, the fucking best, besides this one, of course. But um, there, I, I just remember, I don't remember what episode, but I remember Roger Deacons talking about, like, why he's not particularly a fan of these movies coming out right now. Because he's like, you know, there's plenty of problems in the world already. And I'm like, well, where where are they? Where are the superheroes? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, it's not that there aren't heroes out there. It's just that, like if you, you put too much of your own faith into to these these symbols, like, symbols don't mean anything. Yeah. People give them power, and they can also take away that power. And, like, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure Roger Deakins is a socialist, which I love.
1: But, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. But this also might explain why I like the Eternals so much. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you
0: had to get that in there, huh?
1: Yeah, I got to get it in there. All right, I respect it, that. That is a movie about, like, how much should heroes do in the world. And uh, it deals with that in a way that um, feels like it's commenting more on our, our current reality than any other superhero film, frankly.
0: Well, here, not to, to keep going off Empire of the Sun, let's. I think we should wrap up on this a little bit. because you know, I know what? We'll David
1: Lean was going to direct this
0: initially. Whoa.
1: Yeah. And uh, the, David Lean and Spielberg have this weird relationship where... I believe David Lean was gonna do it. Tom Stoppard wrote the script, and David Lean worked on it for a little bit, and then kind of Spielberg was coming on as a producer, and then Lean kinda of handed it off to uh, Spielberg, being like, this is, this is more your cup of tea. And I believe Spielberg had it rewritten like with uncredited writers. Um, Tom Stoppard, I've, they interviewed Tom Stoppard in a Spielberg documentary recently, and he talked shit in it about Empire of the Sun.
0: Aww.
1: So, but it was interesting. It was like a clearly like a Spielberg-sanctioned documentary. <laughs> so it was interesting that they put that in there. Um, but uh, then David Lean and Spielberg were going to work on a movie called Nostromo. Have you heard about this?
0: No. I just want to say really quick though, that's also something that shows the the different ways we approach like retrospective in in history. Look at film mm-hmm. documentaries like Making Ofs, just like ten to fifteen years ago, and look at them now. Yeah. They're very different. It's not shocking what the differences are, if you've been able to keep up with what's happening in culture. But they're very different. That's all. Sorry, continue.
1: (laughs) But they were gonna they were gonna do an adaptation of the Stroma, which is a Joseph Conrad novel. Lean was gonna direct and Spielberg was gonna produce. And I guess they had like a lot of conflict on that is the story. That like Spielberg, even though he was a producer, kept kinda like butting his head in and kind of was it, he was almost treating it like he was directing it and David Lean I think was kind of resentful of that mm. and I think David Lean eventually just kind of like backed out of it because he was getting older and I think his health was declining and he passed away in like 91 so oh R I P. Um, but it, it was this weird time of them like working together and, I, and you brought up uh, Kurosawa but there's definitely a big David Lean influence on this film like to me this is Spielberg's kind of riff on a David Lean epic and I think that's what I liked about it so much because I don't think David Lean could have made this movie but Spielberg also couldn't have made Lawrence of Arabia yeah
0: I I was going to list off some stuff for people that don't know maybe for the the viewers that (laughs) if you don't know who David Lean
1: is you should be ashamed of yourself
0: (laughs) no I mean like you know just just do quick research on film history watch basically everything David Lean did and you're good
1: yeah Watch specifically *Bridge on the River Kwai* and uh, *Lawrence of Arabia*. Not *Doctor Zhivago*.
0: And eh, *Doctor Zhivago* fine. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll talk about this off, off, Mike later. <laughs> no, what?
1: <laughs> Give me your point. I want to hear. No, it. it's
0: a good movie. That's that's really it. I just think it's a good movie.
1: Okay, I'm just I I think that if I uh, was going to bat for. To David Lean, so it'd be *Bridge on the River *Lawrence of Arabia*. Oh, fuck that! But... Go go to bat for three
0: What are you doing? No one's. I don't know. Well, I also like.
1: I also like *Brief Encounter*. Like <laughs> <Okay>. *Great Expectations*. <laughs> like I would put those above *Doctor Zhivago
0: Okay, okay. And I
1: thought we're recommending like if you don't know who David Lean is for some goddamn reason. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were recommending the movies to start with.
0: I mean, you probably just Lawrence start with of Lawrence. Arabia if you want. You probably like, shouldn't start with Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know. That movie seems to keep fucking winning people. Like every once in a while, you kind of have to like. If someone's really getting into like film history and like classic mm-hmm. Hollywood stuff for like for the first time, there's a couple that like you don't really need to tee up. And I'm finding that Lawrence of Arabia is not one you need to tee up either. I I think it's just like an old solid. A uh, Hollywood epic that still yeah, it's fucking great. rocks.
1: Which reminds me, I have to order it on Blu-ray because I was gonna watch it the other day, and I have two DVD copies, and they both look terrible.
0: Oh no! So you I, know what? Get I a... don't own it. I, I know one of those
1: ones were like, you're like, man, I fucking love Lawrence of Arabia. Let's go watch it. And you're like, oh, I don't have a copy of it. <laughs> like,
0: you know, I, I guess I gotta. order. you just said they have a 4K now. Do they finally? I... Oh no, I don't know. I, I thought. Um... Oh, no, you need a Blu-ray. That's what you said. Sorry. I
1: just saw a Blu-ray. I think Bridge on the River Kwai has a 4K. Okay. uh, Which I might also get, because that movie fucking rules.
0: Empire of the Sun should have a 4K, and this is how I'm going to use this to wind it down on on our Empire of the Sun retrospective.
1: I think Spielberg kind of, like... It felt like Spielberg was phoning it in during the Blu-ray years. Like, it used to be a big deal every time a Spielberg film made it to DVD. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Blu-ray was kind of just like, eh. I, I really wish... Like, maybe, in a, you know, he would find some time to settle down and just do 4K versions of all his movies.
0: Yeah. And I know that that is also time-consuming because if you want to, like, give your input into, mm-hmm. like, the DI process and stuff like that. like And I'm
1: sure Spielberg doesn't want to talk about fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark again. Yeah, <laughs> like...
0: which is totally understandable. Um... But the
1: Raiders of the Lost Blu-ray, Raiders of the Lost Ark Blu-ray kind of looks
0: bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like the the Predator yeah. When that first came out, you know, the, that Blu-ray, it made everyone look like plastic.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I think, like, for the 4K era, Spielberg should maybe, like, hey, you know, because <laughs> studios certainly don't give a shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And do all the ones, do Hook, you know, do the ones that people don't give a shit about, too.
0: <laughs> do those, and then, um, like, then you can kind of pivot into doing, like, your passion projects. But I would I would love a 4K of Empire of the Sun because yeah. like, now that 4k has like gotten to a place where it's it has like we used to kind of shit on it but now it, i feel like most of the like, them have have become quality transfers you know yeah they're not just like here's more detail like in in shit that doesn't matter yeah you know? <laughs> or like uh the colors tended to be washed out i found and now i feel like they're they're really coming alive like the dracula 4k is is, is just out of this world
1: yeah, I still gotta get. I own like three four Ks right now, and I don't own a four K player, so <laughs> uh, that's well, the position I'm in. All right.
0: Um, uh, then what is your final position on Empire of the Sun?
1: Um, good movie. Ebert was wrong. Ebert didn't
0: like this one. Ebert
1: didn't like this one. Like Color Purple. You f- son of but, a bitch. But you know what? Um, I like this a lot more than Color Purple.
0: I do too. I I think and rewatching my,
1: it i haven't seen it in forever like this might like rank pretty high in my final spielberg
0: ranking i was going to say yeah i think when when i go back to revisit that like uh, make like a full list again that might look pretty different yeah um i think yeah, this was it's... just
1: totally up spielberg's alley whereas the color purple and then some of his later more dramatic stuff it it feels like some of it feels like a bad fit for spielberg at least at the time mm-hmm. you know Yeah. Like, I think he's aged more into doing, like, serious films. Like, I think Lincoln, like, really works. But if he had tried to make Lincoln in 1987, it wouldn't have been a good movie.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Whereas this is, like, no, this is perfect for, like, right in the middle of, like, E.T. and fucking Hook. Like, this is exactly what you want to see from Spielberg.
0: Okay, I thought Um, Hook was next. I kind of got scared. (laughs) No, no, no. We got two. <laughs> yeah, more. I was like, no. Sorry, <laughs> you know, to give away yeah. my
1: thoughts on the Hook. <laughs> <laughs> you nervous about Hook? Yeah, yeah, for reasons. There's some great shit in Hook, though. Like, there's, I, I, I'm not not to give my opinion on the whole film, but uh, I think we probably will feel similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some great stuff
0: in it. We shall see. Alright. Empire of the Sun, fantastic film. Um probably joining the five star club on Letterboxd, but I give like everything five stars now. So
1: speaking of Death of Innocence, let's talk about anger management.
0: Go ahead. I feel like you have an opening for this one.
1: Um Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also known as gaslighting. <laughs> Um what a picture.
1: The the team up we've all been waiting for.
0: <laughs> Adam Sandler versus Jack Nicholson. Now that if you watch this movie for the first time and I and you just hear me describe it as Adam Sandler versus Jack Nicholson, that might sound strange to describe a uh, a relationship between someone and their therapist. <laughs> but here we are.
1: Here here we are.
0: Uh, do you know what else Peter Siegel's directed?
1: Um, he has done. Uh, is is this his uh first Sandler?
0: This is his first Sandler. We will be talking about him at least
1: two more times. Um, looks like yeah, yeah. Uh, and he is he had done a Tommy Boy, which is actually a legit comedy classic. Tommy Boy holds the fuck up. Right. Honestly, like it's not one of those. Like I'm not speaking from nostalgia on that one. Tommy okay. Boy. Rules. All
0: right, Tommy Boy and Heavyweights Double Feature. There you go. <laughs> I don't know how they fit, but... I, don't, I, I realize I've never really had an opportunity to talk about this, but Jack Nicholson's one of my favorite actors. Has
1: like, he never come up... I guess he, the shit we cover, we're not going to talk about Jack Nicholson.
0: Yeah, like, we talked about him in Batman how he's fucking fantastic. Because he's fucking fantastic in Batman as the first cinematic Joker. Yes. Uh, of, of the of the non um and that episode ended ones. up being
1: a recording disaster so yeah
0: but most of it came out okay it's fine, yeah. it's fine. all but my good it, points got cut out yeah but it makes me seem like I'm more in the right which I
1: am
0: <laughs> Jack is not the problem with Batman Jack Nicholson's fantastic um he's one of those guys I wish was still acting but also I'm like man I'm glad he doesn't do interviews just in case
1: just in case (laughs) just in
0: case i don't know (laughs) he's pretty up there he's 84 so i don't know man (laughs) there's probably some beliefs he holds that i'm not going to be happy about um and i would say he's good in the movie i think he's good hey
1: before we get into the movie (laughs) i would like everyone to take a break from this recording for a second go to youtube And type in uh, the DVD menu for Anger Management. That's right. Which I I told Diego to watch. It's pretty good. It's a a work of art. There's also more. I could not find a video that had the full version of the menu. Because every scene selection, uh, uh, special features, which this movie inexplicably has a lot of, uh, and like audio options, they all have unique little animations. (laughs) This is, I guess that is a hint at when peak DVD was.
0: Yeah. That they went
1: all in on the anger management DVD.
0: And you know what? Quite frankly, there should still be like that accessibility with menus. Like menus can be super fun, man.
1: It's such Uh, a bummer. Whenever I put uh, the new blade runner,
0: in. Oh, it and it like, looks like fucking dog shit. It's just it's a wallpaper. It's just that, like, still, and then it's like play movie. Yeah, it's one of the greatest looking films of the last couple decades, and it's just a wallpaper.
1: Yeah. What a bummer. Yeah. Um,
0: But, uh... Anger management. film just, tells to the say story it. of a
1: businessman who was sentenced to anger management program under a renowned therapist with unconventional methods... Um. All right, this might be the craziest thing I say. (laughs) Okay, but shouldn't this movie be better? Yes. Like this feels like uh like they just set the ball on the tee. Like this should be like top tier Sandler, right? Mm -hmm. Adam Sandler in a movie called Anger Management, and his sidekick is fucking Jack Nicholson. (laughs)
0: This should like be this, at least a five star experience. This sounds like it should be like the perfect Sandler movie. This should be a comedy classic. It really should. And and, and now people just kind of like, oh yeah, they were in a movie together.
1: And and now let's let's uh, let's let's do a little bit of role playing here. You're gonna play a person that hasn't seen *Anger Management*. Okay. Okay. And uh, you're gonna ask me if uh, if you should watch it. I'm gonna say, oh, yeah, I was just watching Anger Management recently.
0: Oh, should I watch it? Oh, you know what? It's actually pretty good. There's
1: a couple of moments. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's huge chunks of the film that maybe you should skip over. Uh, but yeah, you know, actually, maybe never watch it. <laughs> I don't want no. <laughs>
0: when the movie started i was like wait hang on is this actually like gonna be good like
1: i will say this movie starts on the worst foot possible
0: <laughs> really okay i thought it was fine I well i
1: thought fine. i thought it was cute where it's like oh young dave busnick and he get he gets pants during his first kiss right but there's a there's one shot in it which is i think maybe some of the whole movies that this opening so scene? it's like you know what it's solid It gets to the the crux of what the film's about. But there's one shot of uh, Arnie Shankman, the bully's uh, crazy younger sister.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And you're like, oh, I don't like that at all. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, the movie oscillates between those two emotions a lot.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Um... very uneven... Uh, I'm leaning towards it just not being worth recommending at all. Maybe watch yeah. YouTube highlights.
1: That's the thing. It's like there's a couple moments in here, and I think if you took out the bad moments, I could give this like a soft re- recommendation. You mm-hmm. know? I'd be like, you know what? It's fine. But there's some stuff in it that is like morally repugnant. Some. I will say some compared to the totality of what's in it. Sure. But uh, it's really bad. (laughs) That's the thing. It's not like kind of bad. It's really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, though, this might be a... uh, The one reason to watch is is I think this might be part of the post-9-11 canon.
0: We'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) We'll definitely get into that.
1: Do we want to get into it now? Because it is the opening uh, scene, kind of.
0: You know, yeah, fuck it. I, I was going to reference something that happens well, no, later. The, the,
1: the hero moment of the movie. <laughs> Let him speak. Is, um, wow, that's aged poorly. Oh,
0: yeah. Um, okay, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, <laughs>
1: 9-11. I will say, uh, also, as we talked about the DVD having an uh, inexplicable number of special features and a terrific DVD menu, um, it inexplicably came with a director's commentary, <laughs> With Adam Sandler and the director, what
0: was that like?
1: You know what? I was really worried to listen to it <laughs> um, because of the subject matter of the uh, the uh, film. Um, you honestly get the sense that uh, when the when the stuff that is kind of morally repugnant comes up, you kind of get the sense that it is not done from a hateful place. Just more of an ignorant place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which, is, which is a little reassuring. <laughs> um, and uh, it was interesting. Mostly, the, What you mostly end up learning, though, is uh, everyone in the movie, every background extra in this goddamn movie is someone's friend. <laughs> like, the whole commentary, the director or Sandler's being like, Oh, yeah, that's a guy I went to college with. Oh, that's, like, my sister's friend. Oh, that's my wife's best friend's cousin. Like, it, there's a lot of that in the commentary. And it's, like, everyone. Everyone in the movie is someone. So, you. it does kind of help with the sense that Sandler movies are just Sandler fucking around with his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you, unfortunately, get hints at Sandler kind of hating uh, the process of filmmaking. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's so funny that you bring that up. So I've been listening to uh, Inside of You, the uh, the Michael Rosenbaum podcast. Okay, and he just interviewed Le- Lamorne Morris from New Girl, who I know mm. from New Girl, and he's he's done a couple uh, films. He's in Game Night, and he worked with Sandler on uh, Sandy Wexler, which we'll talk about okay. eventually. And um, Lamorne Morris is like a really talented comedic actor but he's also like i think a really quality actor who doesn't really get the chance to show the dramatic stuff but he was talking on the podcast about how he was working with sandler and um sandler like called cut or something like that with the director and he's like ah oh, this guy's fucking making me act <laughs> so i completely believe that adam sandler hates the, the process of like making a real film <laughs> and i don't mean that like as a neck like that's not a judgment on him it's hard and long and stressful yeah, I'm it's her just full. I believe I, it, is what I'm saying. He
1: is 100% just interested in doing his jokes. Like, that's it. That's really all it comes down to. That was what they got from the commentary. Mm-hmm. And, like, there would ac- occasionally there would be, like, little director flourishes. And I mean flourishes, like, on the Sandler scale. And they would kind of make fun of it in the commentary. <sighs> and Sandler would be like, I can't believe you made me do this shot. And then the guy's like, Well, you know, I think it's a shot to show your anger building. And it's like, You didn't need it. Like,. <laughs> There was some stuff like, and it's like literally shots of like Sandler like clenching his fist or something like that.
0: Oh my god!
1: (laughs) There's like one montage in the movie, and Sandler was like, "You were driving me nuts, making me crack this egg." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, and the director is saying like very basic stuff. It's like, look, so much of this movie took place in this apartment. Like, I felt it would get a little claustrophobic, so I wanted to mix it up with kind of like a fun montage scene. And Sandler was like, yeah, but filming it was annoying. <laughs> and it might explain some later era Sandler. Mm-hmm.
0: Here you, here you inter- go. I, I've just thought about this. Uh, Adam Sandler worked with the Safdie Brothers and Uncut Gems. Other notorious Safdie Brothers star, Robert Pattinson, doesn't enjoy the process of filmmaking. But he, he clearly appreciates it, and he's glad to be an actor and like an artist but he's also known for being like you know kind of a sloppy white guy <laughs> who's not really uh if he doesn't feel it you'll know it okay right. i think they should work in a film together now just Maybe. let them do whatever they want directed yeah. by the safety brothers because they're makes they're like me wonder the guys. how
1: the safeties direct their movies ultimately mm-hmm. um like, because they really, they're able to wrangle some interesting
0: personalities. Yeah. The people, they just fucking pulled people off the street to, like, yeah. have a scene in Uncut Gems. And it's like, oh, who's that actor? And like, oh, they're not an actor. And it's like, yeah, okay, if you can do that successfully, you're, like, the best director working today.
1: I mean, Uncut Gems is, like, just stacked with amazing, just people they pulled off the
0: street. Yeah, yeah, fucking... We'll get there eventually, but if you're curious right now, Google who's just pulled off the street in that movie, and you'll be like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, it's so... It's out there. It's wild. Isn't
1: the one guy in Uncut Gems that is uh, talking to her when she's, like, asking questions about the bat? Mm -hmm. Wasn't that guy just, like, actually there at the casino? Yep. (laughs) And just, like, put him in?
0: Yep, yep. (laughs) Like, wow. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole process of making that movie was just, like, that scene when the, the, the fucking bookie is telling Sandler, like, that's the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard of. And the Safdies are like, I disagree.
1: Hey, some people can really do it.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, and they clearly yeah. can. That's very that's very cool. Uh, also – I don't think this anger management guy could, though, <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> Possibly not. He, oh, You know what's weird? Here's, here's something that's weird. So I mentioned that Tommy Boy is actually a comedy classic, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Peter Siegel's other films, none of them even come close. Oh, okay. Like, I'm not, not even, like, to be a dick. It's just, like, nothing he made is, is in the Tommy Boy realm. And you're kind of like, what the fuck went right on Tommy Boy? And the one thing you learn is that a lot of Tommy Boy, they just kind of made up while they were filming. <laughs> and they just, like, improvised a lot. And you can totally feel it in the movie. And I think that's what lends Tommy Boy like this weird, where it's not super hot, like this is like, what's the premise? Anger management, right? Mm -hmm. Like That seems like Adam Sandler in anger management, that's the premise, right? Whereas Tommy Boy is kind of a film where it's like, well, what's Tommy Boy about? And it's like, well, it's a guy named Tommy (laughs) and he's got to take over for his dad and it's like well, what does his dad do is his dad like a really important person he's like no nah, his dad runs like uh his, his dad sells brake pads <laughs> and it's like oh okay that's funny and it's like not really we're gonna treat the brake pad stuff very seriously <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and it's like oh really and it's like yeah we're gonna show like how like it's a real blue collar town that's like being devastated by all these car factory clothings <laughs> and you're like This is a comedy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not doing a great job of selling it as a comedy. And it's like, yeah,
1: Chris Farley and David Spade are in it.
0: (laughs) But I'm very interested in it now.
1: Oh, you've never seen Tommy Boy? Did we already say that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've
0: never seen Tommy Boy.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, uh, you should really watch Tommy Boy. It's actually very funny. (laughs)
0: All right, all right. Yeah, Tommy Boys, Heavyweights, and then The Eternals.
1: Yes, there you go. They're all one of a piece. Yeah. (laughs) actually they might be anyway um also the the thing you learn from the commentary is that nicholson improvised a lot of stuff in this
0: oh that fucking rocks
1: and i don't just mean lines i mean like he was influencing the set decoration (laughs) really um one uh one moment in it is that uh i guess also it was something where you learn like a this how how cheap this $75 million movie really is. Hmm. Um, where it's like, yes, it's supposed to be New York, but we shot it in L.A. Like, a lot of it is L.A. that they shot, um, and they made look like New York. And you never you never get the sense that it isn't New York, you know? You're not like, oh, well, hey, like, you would have to be familiar with this location to know it's not New York City. hmm And one of Nicholson's suggestions was, uh, in the one scene when they go to the anger management meeting, Um, There was all, like, this construction equipment because they were, like, renovating the building. And they were going to clear it all out for the filming. And Nicholson was like, no, leave all this in because everything in New York is always under construction. (laughs) And
0: they left it in and it actually does help the scene. (laughs) Huh. Well, you know, just fucking Jack Nicholson. Like... (laughs) It's fucking Jack Nicholson. He's got, like, a history in, like, some of the greatest movies ever made. And here's the other thing. Nicholson must have had a great time on this fucking movie.
1: Because him and Adam Sandler are, like, still close friends.
0: Yeah, so that that tells you something.
1: Where they're going to, like, Lakers games all the time. And the other thing I learned from uh, the commentary, and not just the commentary, from, like, the -the behind-the-scenes footage, is that once Nicholson said yes to the movie, they basically got everyone else in the movie. That makes sense. Like, people heard Nicholson was doing it, so they all said yes. (laughs) So that's how you get um, certain people in certain roles.
0: (laughs) Now, Uh, did he influence the direction his character takes with Marissa Tomei?
1: uh, No, but I bet you that's why he took the script. (laughs) I got, yeah. (laughs) Now, the way the the film
0: plays out, that is also just gaslighting.
1: You, you know what though? Fucking two thousand three Nicholson still could have got it. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like I'm not, watching this, it, I'm not watching this. I'm not watching this going going. Uh, that's impossible. I'm like, nah, it's Nicholson. <laughs> Nicholson is like a doctor. Nicholson, like, fuck yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, he's finally back courtside with the Lakers as of October nineteenth this year so uh oh, you hey, know yeah. nature's healing
1: nature's healing um <laughs> we also mentioned that sandler uh referenced nicholson in billy madison um i can't remember the, the joke they're like norm mcdonald asked him like who would you rather bone and it was like jack nicholson and i can't remember who the other person is
0: i guess it doesn't and, matter
1: <laughs> no and it will and sandler goes nicholson now or 74 and Norm goes seventy four, and then uh, Sandler picks the other guy, <laughs> <laughs> implying that late era Adam Sandler is actually sexier. <laughs> so maybe well. that's another reason. This does this is a little flattering to like Nicholson in the script, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the end of it, he's like, "Wow, uh, Mister Rydell, you're a great man," and it's like, <laughs> is he? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. I totally don't know what the the message of this movie really is.
0: Well, like, Um, that's the thing. I think it does have a very basic message. It's just like, he's got to learn to stand up for himself. But it's so weird. Yeah, no, the way it gets there, it makes no sense. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, you know, it's not very realistic or it's not very logical. Like, explain to me scene by scene what happens in the movie and then the end result. It does not track. We'll like, talk about the now <laughs> We'll
1: talk about the Dr. Rydell process.
0: <laughs> um I, I don't understand the process.
1: But we should talk about it. Sandler ends up in anger management because he sits he, I mean, it's it's weird. We're like I think it's kind of playing into the quote unquote pussification of America where it's like he didn't do anything wrong and ended up in anger management, right? Yes. Like, I think that's what, like, it's trying to uh, tap into that kind of reactionary opinion,
0: right? Yeah, that woke S.A.W. liberal bullshit.
1: Now, that's Uh. not what the movie
0: ends up being about. Yeah, yeah.
1: But I think that's, like, how it's sold a little bit, because he ends up next to Nicholson, who does a bunch of obnoxious things, and then pushes. That's actually, I will say, Nicholson is fucking funny in this. Like, that's where I want to sell this movie to people. Mm Mm-hmm. Where it's like, with the bad stuff, it's like, but Nicholson, his delivery, and his, like, just him laughing watching a shitty comedy is, like, hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's, like, he's dying watching Horatio Sands fall over in that comedy.
0: Oh, yeah, everyone's favorite Horatio Sands.
1: Yeah, you know, if we would recorded this earlier, I'd be talking about how underrated Horatio Sands is as a comedic talent. <laughs> And uh, now I will not be saying those things.
0: (laughs) Now you are demanding him to go to prison. Yes, which you are right to do.
1: Um, Oh well, how unfortunate. Um, Is he going to come? I feel like Horatio Sands is going to pop up again. He has to have become a Sam the regular at some point. Maybe. I feel like that's going to happen. But just also, we should say Nicholson's introduction shot. He's in the shadows at the airport watching them. Uh, that was Nicholson's suggestions for him to be in the shadows, which is weird to think about. Because <laughs> so funny. Because that, that is the right idea, honestly, that like <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have... Just
0: like, oh yeah, no, he had to come up with that.
1: He had to come up with that A, but also you could totally tell it's Nicholson. <laughs> and it's weird listening to the director talk about it and be like... Well, the director's like, well, I wanted the idea to be the audience knows it's Nicholson watching him, but now he's in shadow, so you don't know it's Nicholson. And I'm like, no, we know it's him. Like, you're not gonna hide that head. Like, <laughs> we all know it's Nicholson.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, I like the the gradual process of Nicholson looking more and more like a maniac throughout the 2000s. Oh yes. <laughs> like he looks like this in all the movies he did then. But you look at, like, even the posters of stuff he's in, by the time you get to, like, about Schmidt, his hair is just, like, <laughs> all over the poster. It's fucking great.
1: I mean, fuck fuck. throughout the 2000s. Throughout this movie, like, <laughs> he's ramping up the crazy throughout it. Um, but I will say, this is an early, a post-9-11 film, because uh, one of the big jokes is, like, how you can't uh, be unruly on an airplane anymore. Because that's actually, I did like that. I thought that was funny. Where like he's like, "Excuse me, miss, can I get the uh, headset?" Head? Like, don't raise your voice at me. And he's like, "No, I'm not raising my voice." He's like, sir, our country's going through a difficult time right now. <laughs> like, you I'm know like, what it
0: right. reminded me of? What the Seinfeld 9/11 script? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's dust on my sandwich. There's dust <laughs> on our hearts. <laughs> Our hearts are covered in dust.
1: See, I kind of wish not, uh, Seinfeld had stayed on the air through 9-11. We would have gotten so much great stuff.
0: <laughs> not, maybe it's good that they didn't. have they no. Him. You know what? You're right. <laughs> You're I right. think
1: Seinfeld would have saved America. Maybe. <laughs> kind of like when Gilbert Godfrey told that joke a week after 9-11. Oh, I'm, I have to leave early. I'm taking a flight to LA. I couldn't get a direct flight. They're taking a stop at the Empire State Building. <laughs> he told in New York City a week after 9-11. <laughs> uh, people booed.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. But now he's a genius.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, <now> I, <laughs> He'll never make that mistake again. He'll never <laughs> tweet jokes about a tsunami as it's happening. Oh. <laughs> While he works for a company that does 75% of its business in Japan. <laughs> oh.
0: What a guy. How does he not show up in these?
1: I don't know. It does feel like he would fit right in. To being like, just a guy you run into. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't understand why Gilbert doesn't pop up in more things, frankly.
0: I don't know. Yeah. That
1: voice is just perfect. Yeah, it He's really Tony feels Scott, like he—he got, real... he got his film start in a Tony Scott film. Oh
0: my god! Well, it does feel like he, there's still like untapped potential for him. Like yeah, now yeah. Whereas Sandler, it's like no, no, no. We know the potential. It's just he doesn't do it that often. <laughs>
1: there's a really good documentary about Gilbert called Gilbert.
0: Should I add that to the list?
1: Yeah, why not? It's All this right. really interesting documentary where people are talking about like Gilbert is this insane comic and like he, like he doesn't listen to anyone, he's, he'll go like in all the most horrible directions possible and then the documentary just shows that he's like an average family guy <laughs> with children and a wife who loves him. <laughs> and, it's just, and it's like, oh, and he takes care of his sister who's sick and it's like, and then he's on stage just yelling. <laughs> it's actually pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, David Buznick gets tasered. <laughs> Um, I was, I just, I like that scene. Maybe it's just the nine eleven in my heart. Like,
0: oh, okay, yeah, that's a quote. Um, <laughs> a cool no, no, I, I think the scene's fine. Yeah, I mean, I—that's I, the stuff I liked from the opening the most. It
1: felt like one of the first times this country could joke about nine eleven. It really did. Yeah, I, I
0: guess you're right. Yeah.
1: Also, since I've been talking about the DVD menu, I think it's a sign that I did own the DVD when this movie came out.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: So. Remember I am I am the Adam Sandler fan of the two of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um I do like The Revelation cuz like I can, can we just like openly talk about everything in the movie at this point. Yeah, yeah. The I mean yeah. The,
1: the thing is that like it was all rigged by Nicholson.
0: Yeah. Um. And to then to the the, stand up for himself and so when and uh, adam sandler's like ah oh, this guy that girl they're all in on it oh yeah and May is explaining like oh they're all friends and they're like what with the flight attendant no 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 he just had a bad day yeah
1: the sky marshal no he was just having a bad day
0: <laughs> and then of course there's the cheap joke like oh he's sitting between two heavy people oh. yeah, he's, but he's uh handsome. that does like apart from that <laughs> but, oh no he just had a bad day so you got taste is pretty great <laughs> And like yeah, there's little like nuggets of comedy in this that are like killer, or at least like entertaining. And and then I uh, I don't know. It, yeah, it's some a long are, movie. Yeah,
1: it's long. That's the thing. It's one of the longer Sandler films. Yeah, and it's only 106 minutes. It feels longer. And there's a shit ton of deleted scenes on the fucking DVD, by hell, the way. dude. So they shot really? like a
0: two-hour movie. Oh my god. So this is the short version. Jesus Christ. Okay, so we got we talked about Adam Chandler, Marisa Tomei, Jack Nicholson. Actually, no, we didn't talk about Marisa Tomei. I just brought her up. She's great. She's um, great in
1: this. Marisa Tomei is great in everything, and I'm, I hate that we acted like her winning an Oscar was like bad. She totally deserved that Oscar.
0: Yeah, go fuck so. yourselves, everyone.
1: She's so good, in my company.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she still is great in like a lot of things, and she's been very open about being upset that she doesn't get as exciting roles
1: she should fucking get more to do in the goddamn spider-man movies
0: yeah well no she's hot aunt may which is true I but mean, it's, it, that's if, nothing
1: if, if you want to do hot aunt may fine but like give give aunt may something aunt may had more to do in spider-man 2 Goddamn it she had more to do in spider-man
0: 3 yeah. the movie where it's very notable that they didn't know what to do with her <laughs> A movie well, I, I like, enjoy, by the goddamn, way. damn, that's like, why I
1: fucking these new Spider-Man movies suck, is how fun is it to watch Spider-Man like, rescue Aunt May in Spider-Man 2?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, that's the best shit ever. And it's <laughs> like, no, we're not going to do that. Ever. Again. No. It's rescuing people fun, no. In fact, we're going to end uh, Far From Home with a joke about how actually swinging around with Spider-Man wouldn't be romantic or fun.
0: Yeah, like, it would actually it, be terrifying. And Yeah, that's you know also, that's you know, fucking fun, um, you fucking losers. Remember when that first movie when they established he has a fear of heights? It's like, wow, wouldn't that be great to see it pay off when he finally does take the big leap and go on his first big swing around New York? Wouldn't that be yeah, great? No. I can't wait for that to happen. Nope. <laughs> no. You can't have that when he goes to space.
1: That is a dumb thing to give Spider Man though.
0: I don't know. Uh, if if like it was the early days in Homecoming, I feel like that's fine cuz then it's like, oh, he it's like the the power within and shit and he can like overcome his fears. Like that, that's that's fine. But you do that in the one movie and then you move on. You don't just leave it hanging and yeah. then never address it again. <laughs> Anyways, um No, Marissa Tome is fantastic and um I don't know. I I thought she also needs more to do in anger management. I'm not yeah i mean most of
1: the most of the female characters in sandler films need more to do
0: oh you you didn't like the appearance of krista allen and january jones
1: uh no (laughs) yeah um i mean you know what they're actually kind of fun (laughs) (laughs) oh my god
0: great actresses uh not a fan of how they they talk like they're in a porno i get they're supposed to be in the adult entertainment industry yeah but well, that's not like, what the people are like yeah it's like, like oh they're real
1: God. they're real
0: human beings
1: when they're not there um yeah, it's that weird thing but of but then like, here they're
0: like you know and and then we did the sex stuff and uh, that and it's just like every line of dialogue like that and it's like no you january jones was in madman <laughs> like <laughs> she's had a weird career She's had a very weird career, but her Instagram. Um, but fun. before
1: we get to them, we get an incredibly bad cameo appearance um, from Bobby Knight, the former basketball coach, um, who uh, was known for his anger, which is the joke of why he's there. Um, and uh, it was eventually exposed that uh, he was very verbally and physically abusive to his players and, like, ruined lives. Oh, and uh, got fired as a result. And, of course, because we live in a just and sane society, when he got fired, um, people rallied around him mm. and uh, attacked the people who attacked his credibility. Oh, the uh, victims? Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, no. That's what we do with sports. In In, in the entertainment industry, we don't do that as much. Um, unless it's, you're, It uh, still happens. It still happens, but not as much. But sports, if you are a coach... I mean, they rallied behind fucking Paterno, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they'll rally behind, because people, they don't give a fuck about anything.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, there's a there's a disillusionment, I think, when um, you're being entertained by someone behind a TV screen. It's like, no, 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 I know them, you know? And then yeah. someone else tells you, like, no, I actually know the real them, because I've worked with them, and they're a horrible asshole who'd ruin my life.
1: But if we want to talk about, like, parasocial relationships... Um, I should talk to Shannon about this because she knows a lot more about it, but I think more so than the entertainment industry, I think sports fans have parasocial relationships.
0: Oh, I I completely agree. I think
1: people will be like, my week won't go well unless the team does well, you Mm -hmm. know? And, like, that's very unhealthy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which, to this film's credit, does kind of bring up, even though they have that unfortunate cameo early on.
1: But, like, there's a weird, like... Kind of like, of course, this guy's angry. He's a sports fan. No, There's
0: no, whole... yeah, it's not. It's not exactly layered with nuance about There's the reality whole... of life. But I, I, that was something I actually enjoyed.
1: I give this movie credit though, like it doesn't totally go like. Actually, anger management is pointless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, which is you, you feel like what the movie might be. Yeah. And uh, but it, it's also you know it's a comedy version of anger management.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Which, uh, uh, not to, to avoid the rest of the cast, because we got some heavy hitters in here. Still oh, yeah, we get... Uh, but, but, what? I wanted to bring up that this film also spawned a TV series adaptation. Oh, yes. Starring Charlie Sheen. Um, and, unfortunately, like, two seasons starred Selma Blair? Two or three seasons? Because... It only lasted two seasons. It did?
1: Yes. Wait, hang and on. Okay, I'm looking it up. In those two seasons... They made a hundred episodes. Yeah. What? <laughs> and if you look at how it's broken down on the Wikipedia page, season one is 10 episodes. Season two is 90. Uh, 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 what? Someone was dodging taxes with that show.
0: Yeah. 100%. Mm.
1: Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Selma Blair unfortunately got booted off the show, which is a shame. Um,
1: was it, was it like, uh, what, what was the reasoning?
0: Uh, Charlie Sheen told producers that he would refuse to work if, uh, Selma Blair, uh, came to work, because she was the most vocal about his, uh, his work ethic. Hmm. And, uh he threatened to quit if they didn't fire her because he's well, the lead that uh, she did and a new female role was created to fill the void
1: well it'd be terrible if she got diagnosed with ms afterwards that yep. make you look like a real asshole
0: yeah uh, anyways justice for someone black it's
1: weird that charlie sheen is like a horrible asshole and like also was like having a public mental breakdown and it was like a joke yeah, you know how di- if you want to know how different the early 2010s were.
0: <laughs> yeah. They had shirts of, of his like, rants. Yeah. That sold and made lots of money for lots of people.
1: Bro, I got tiger blood.
0: Yeah. Or like, uh, I, I partied with Charlie Sheen.
1: Yeah. Remember he went on tour? They roasted him. Comedy Central roast.
0: you ever seen platoon
1: oh good he's anti-vax
0: oh wow he just oh also
1: uh he uh he i knew before he even lost it he was a 9-11 truther i had forgotten that because of all the other shit
0: oh wow charlie sheen doesn't miss (laughs) the problem is his targets are fucking atrocious yes um but
1: let's not talk about charlie sheen yeah
0: no sorry i just wanted to bring that up that it spawned a series
1: Let's talk about uh, Louise Guzman, who's yeah! in this. The Goose is back. Um, Adam Sandler, in the commentary, refers to him as one of our best friends. So that's, that's good nice. to hear.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the other thing uh, that we also have, John Turturro returning. He was in Mr. Deeds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, you can definitely feel the shift in this. from Where we talked about Mr. Deeds was clearly a film made before 9-11 and released after where they had to like re-edit it to uh um you know make like suddenly make new york city seem like a great place Mm -hmm. this movie is definitely like the post 9-11 actually new york city is the greatest city in the world (laughs) and uh the commentary is get you get uh the only like i was worried about like troubling things sandler might say in the commentary he doesn't say anything except that like he's like and i'm proud to be an american and i support the troops like, which was a very common attitude in the year 2003. Mm-hmm. So, um, but hey, let's not ask Adam Sandler too many questions. Yeah, yeah. But I um, mean, but
0: no, t- to go back to Spider-Man, like, even 2002, it was like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us.
1: Yeah, but that's different <laughs> than what this film does. But I gotta say, when Turturro appears on screen, uh, Sandler, uh, says, um, sickest man i've we've known <laughs> what? which i don't know what that means <laughs> and i guess the Toro might be a crazy person
0: <laughs> all right
1: um i
0: like the Toro's performance in this i do too but <laughs> i like his performance in everything
1: the biggest laugh i got in this i think was uh when they're going to be anger management buddies mm-hmm And uh, he goes like, here's my number, and Sandler reads it, and and the way Sandler delivers it's pretty great, where he just goes, you're gonna die, bitch. He's like, oh no, that's a note, I'm writing to Geraldo Rivera. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I don't know why that made me laugh so much. I think all (laughs) the best stuff for me came from uh, Totoro, because he also has the scene where they're anger management buddies and he has to help them. He's like, I'm losing it, man. You gotta go out with me. So he goes out to dinner with them. Which also, we have to point out that uh, because this is all being rigged by Nicholson, part of the plan was for Totoro to lose it with Sandler around and for them to assault people. Yeah. (laughs) Including a waitress and a blind man. (laughs) But uh, so there's the part where, uh, first of all, we find out Totoro served in Grenada, (laughs) which is a war that lasted four days. Um, and that, like, damaged him. And... Sorry. <laughs> that is
0: pretty funny. Not the war, the the character.
1: Yeah, and then uh, he thinks the, the one guy over at the bar gave him a look. And he has this great line. <laughs> yes. Where he's like, and I think the other guy said something anti-Semitic. And he's like, are you Jewish? He's like, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... And then they they beat up the guys, and one of those guys ends up being fucking Harry Dean Stanton, yeah, the king. <laughs> it, it is funny. He has like two moments, and he's a blind man who starts just whacking Madam Sandler with his cane, and tried to take my cane, Your Honor. And uh, that actually that's another good moment with uh, what's his name? Oh fuck, what's that guy's name? Um.
0: Fuck! What's his name? The I don't boy, know. Kevin uh, Nealon. Kevin who? Nealon. Oh, Kevin Nealon.
1: His his lawyer when he's like, "Your Honor, we don't know how blind this guy actually is," and he throws <laughs> a ball out and just hits him.
0: Actually, you know what? I I liked him as as uh, as his lawyer, Kevin Nealon. Like yeah. even early on, and he's like, "Oh, no it looks good." He's like, <laughs> yeah. Your sentence, and he's like, "Oh," mm. <laughs> he just gives a little like, "Nope."
1: Nealon's gen, genuinely pretty funny in, like, most of these movies when he pops up.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I never really had a film career, like, apart from these, but... Uh,
0: yeah, no, he's tr- funny. He's a funny guy. That goes we a also, long way in these movies.
1: <laughs> also returning, we got Alan Covert, um, another Sandler
0: regular. Oh, yeah. Who, uh... Who has a massive penis, and that's his whole character trait. Yeah.
1: You know what, though? Like, if this is a movie about penis envy, like, that's fine. About male insecurity, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and
0: like it, those elements are there, but like in in classic Sandler movie fashion, they're just there, or to be the butt of the joke, and then yeah, they move his on.
1: character is a weird creep. It it is a bit weird though that like the movie's kind of being like, well, your girlfriend can't have any male friends.
0: Yeah, like which is a little weird, yeah. and again, that that stems from male insecurity, but it's also like the film sees that as, like, a negative, yeah. you know, like, like, that aspect, like, she can't have guys around her that aren't him.
1: It's also weird, like, male insecurity, but also, like, he's, they're also kind of right. Like, (laughs) Alan Covert is totally trying to get with her.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So. I mean, the film is, like, filled with mixed messages. (laughs) And and then it keeps going.
1: To say the least.
0: Yeah. Uh, Uh, Also, Woody Harrelson pops up. Um, that is... positive. Before
1: we get to Woody Harrelson, I have to say, uh, um, in the commentary I learned a very fun fact, which is that Alan Covert in real life, I guess, has a big penis. Oh, okay. Thanks for that information, Sandler. I would honestly recommend listening to the commentary, it was kind of interesting. Oh,
0: Alright, I guess it's, if it's not insightful to the film, it's insightful to Sandler.
1: I don't know. Oh, it's, just, okay. it's interesting. <laughs> right. um, so after we had to say after assaulting the, uh, the waitress who genuinely was an innocent bystander, like <laughs> broker knows, God damn it. Um, uh, he's going to go to prison, but then uh, Nicholson steps in and is like, if he does my intensive uh, anger management course, he doesn't have to go to prison. Uh, but I will say, this is where I really like Nicholson's performance. Nicholson is giving a good performance in this movie. Like, he didn't phone it in. Yeah. And he plays this... You can tell he likes playing this character, which is a guy who, like, you never really know what he's up to. Like, he's, like, he's all flatter. He's, like, being, like, really flattering to the nurse and everything. I mean, not the nurse. I mean, the judge. And uh, is like, oh, hey, uh, how about you just do me a favor with this guy? And then when, like, he turns his back, he, like, makes a face at... uh Sandler being like, oh, can you believe I have to put up with this shit? And then you're like, well, what, what does that mean? Like, where's he coming from with all this? And I, it ends up working for a plot that isn't, like, that complicated. It, like, lends some shit to it, you
0: mm-hmm. know? Um, oh, yeah. It's, like, also, it's a shame. Uh,
1: He's so good in it. I wish the movie was better, because it would be like, you could watch this fucking good Nicholson comedy.
0: Yeah, but uh, also worth mentioning, because you mentioned the judge, uh, Lynn... Thigpen, uh, yeah. this was her last film. She she died a couple of months or a month before the film came out, and uh, the film's dedicated to her.
1: So. Yes, she was the uh, chief on uh, "Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego."
0: Oh, really? Wow. Yes, I I used to watch those on PBS.
1: Hey, she's good in this. It's sad. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: It's too bad. Um, so
1: the intensive anger management course, of course, is uh. They are, Nicholson is now going to live with Sandler. So it's now, and this is the one angle where I don't know if the movie totally knows where it's getting at, if it's like, is, Sandler, is, is Nicholson supposed to be a psycho mm-hmm. <laughs> or is he supposed to be like a new age kind of weirdo, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to clash with Sandler's like average guy thing. Because occasionally he has, like, the new age thing, but occasionally he just has the crazy guy thing.
0: Yeah. And the film can't really decide on, like, what line to draw. hmm
1: They have to share a bed together.
0: I don't get it, because it's, it's two men in a bed.
1: It's like, he's like, it's like, you know, in some European countries, it's not uncommon for three or four men to share a bed. So I was like, that's why I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> which must have been in the trailer. <laughs> And Adam Sandler, when that line is the lyric Sandler goes like and I agree I am proud to be an American from <laughs> <on> the commentary. <laughs> so stupid. That's... Hey, did you know the cinematographer of this just had just won an Oscar for Moulin Rouge?
0: I got nothing. Um <laughs>
1: Donald McAlpine.
0: Wow. Uh, shout out to Moulin Rouge, which is a great film. You should <laughs> so all watch. You did,
1: you did that, and then you get to do anger management.
0: Yay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not like a bad-looking movie, but it doesn't look like it costs $70 million.
1: <laughs> it doesn't. Um, but did you know there are 180 visual effects shots in this movie? No. Another what? thing I learned from the commentary. <laughs> what? Um, I guess, like, you know, they, when they, they have the scene on the bridge, you can't really stop on a bridge like that. So a lot of that's CGI. Okay, that's pretty good. And I guess his apartment's a set, so, like, the city around him is a set. Oh,
0: okay, um, yeah, 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 that makes but sense. But
1: Nicholson did a shocking amount of the real driving. <laughs> oh, okay. And Sandler's like, that's genuine fear in my face, because Nicholson is driving like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, that makes me like this movie more.
1: You can tell they got along. I mean, um, like I said, you can feel it in the movie that Nicholson was at least having a fucking ball. Yeah. Um, We get... uh, I like when Nicholson smashed the eggs. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Uh,
0: Oh, uh, so I wanted to bring up Woody Harrelson, but I feel like we also have to bring up Heather Graham, who...
1: Well, we're not there yet. We got I got a few more scenes to talk
0: All right, <laughs> Alright, alright. We'll, we'll, we'll get go to that in order.
1: Because the next scene is one of the most important scenes of the movie where they stop on the bridge and sing I Feel Pretty from West Side Story. Yes. And you'll notice that they use the theme I Feel Pretty a lot in this movie. And that's because they got direct permission from Steven Sondheim to use the song and music from West Side Story.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> Good for anyway, them, I guess, but... They were I... very
1: thankful to Stephen Sondheim in the commentary. What were those conversations like? I have no idea. But, uh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that's one way of putting it.
1: And fuck it, I like that scene.
0: <laughs> no, no, it is. It's, it's, it's a good scene. It's just, like, my mind is trying to, like, comprehend what happened in those conversations now
1: yes so these worlds have now crossed paths so that's we'll come back because we're going to be doing west side story eventually oh yeah
0: <laughs> adam sandler could probably do a fun west side story
1: um no <laughs> no he couldn't but like i mean maybe officer crop
0: <laughs> no never mind i was trying to find a joke in there but no 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 i don't think that's actually a good idea
1: dear kindly sergeant crop <laughs> Um, that's the only song i'm fucking looking forward to frankly
0: really no no
1: there's a no there's, gonna be good but i i don't know how spielberg's gonna do officer Krupke. no and
0: then Dude,
1: at the end I'm of the song gonna... they're
0: like we support the police in this country
1: yeah be <laughs> that a... actually the police are good and
0: fine you know actually the police have never had a more difficult time uh in this country so.
1: I mean, look at how crime's rising now that we defunded every police department.
0: Cut to every, like, graph showing how every police department actually has more money, especially yes. the Los Angeles Police Department. Great time to be alive. Oh, yeah, everything's great. It's um, all fantastic.
1: Let's see, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, uh... Just look, I'm gonna look at my notes real quick before mm-hmm. I say anything. Um, okay, so... For some reason, uh... I don't totally understand what uh, Adam Sandler's job is, but he's making clothing for fat cats.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> there's a great little fat cat named Meatball in this who is adorable.
0: Yes, and they
1: put him in different outfits, and it's great. Yeah, and that rocks.
0: Well, um, did you know Adam Sandler's little little dog? It's not a pug. It's a little it's a little chubby guy. Is also named Meatball.
1: Hey, I believe. Uh, that dog appears in a picture in this movie. Mm. Or one of his dogs did. Um, it's a picture with uh, Nicholson on like one of his book covers or something.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Um, I don't totally understand what's going on there with the... Why do you need a boss for this job? <laughs> why does he have an office job where he's making fat cat clothing?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it I looked feels... it up on the Wikipedia, too, and it just says he's a secretary for a disrespectful boss. It doesn't yeah. say what he does, and um,
1: I guess this is where if I was talking about like how I think Tommy Tommy Boy is actually a good movie, like this is where if Tommy Boy was made today they'd fuck it up because they would give Tommy Boy or like a character like a weird quirk like that, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where it's like oh he does whatever the fuck, and it's like no you don't need that to be funny. Like this movie's funny already. Mm-hmm. Like I love Meatball the Fat Cat, but like <laughs> this, what is what is this? fat cat joke contribute to anything.
0: <laughs> well, it um, just lets you know that it's a comedy. I guess. In case you didn't get it already.
1: That scene is the reveal where we Nicholson meets Alan Cover and then Nicholson quote unquote discovers uh, Sandler's girlfriend in the picture. He's like, I would guess I assumed you were gay on account of the kitty cat
0: clothes. <laughs> this um, his delivery of stuff is pretty funny. Yeah,
1: his delivery's fantastic. Um all right, now we're getting into the the worst scene in the movie. Um where we find out Nicholson has like dozens of lawsuits against him, which is something that is never kind of resolved. Like what is that?
0: <laughs> well, is that yeah. all made up too?
1: I how do you make up pending lawsuits?
0: I don't know. How do you you don't make up a judge like order either, you know? You
1: can't you can't like rig a court case. That's a crime.
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah. I just don't think we're supposed to think about it that much.
1: Also, if I found out like my girlfriend did that to get me to uh like, you know, have more confidence in myself, I'd be glad I had more confidence, I guess, but I would dump that girlfriend. <laughs> That's a major trust violation. <laughs> yeah all this th- is just
0: gaslighting
1: yeah it's I guess. just it's 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 kind of gross when you really think about it but i get it like the movie's not trying to deal with that but mm-hmm. whatever um so sandler gets the idea of if i get him on tape saying something crazy i can use this against him and uh he starts trying to get it like he thinks nicholson's like saying stuff that might come across as him coming on to him And Nicholson's like, are you threatened with homosexuality? And he's like, oh no. And he's like, well, let's, he straight up says, let's take a walk on the wild side. And then they don't play that song, but they play another song. And uh, we meet uh, Woody Harrelson who uh, is in drag, as they refer to it on the commentary, um, and is playing a, a kind of a sex worker of some kind. And I can't tell what the movie thinks it's saying, but it's impossible not to see it through today's lens, which is that uh, it's a it's a trans sex worker that they pick up,
0: and uh... yeah, isn't isn't that funny? Um, yeah. Is isn't it funny that, that people are different? Um,
1: yeah it's it's uh it's it's bad. It's yeah. That scene, I guess Woody Harrelson showed up and they said he really committed to the performance.
0: I mean, that's kind of the thing. Woody Harrelson never phones in a performance.
1: to so the point where uh, this is in the commentary, Woody uh, Woody showed Sandler his Woody in oh, the scene. Woody.
0: So Just... that really happened. Alright, well. And... Uh, <sighs>
1: And just when you think it couldn't get much worse, uh, Sam Lewis specifically says, I'm into the Girls Without Wienersville, which I found out from the commentary was the director's idea of a line.
0: So, Yeah, no, this whole section, your description of the movie recommendation early on <laughs> is about <laughs> right. Yeah. As we were starting, I was like, you know what, no, there's good stuff in here. There's There's less good stuff. There's some good stuff.
1: Alright. Oh, there's now, that. <laughs> now this is a bad scene. I will say from the commentary, when you listen to them talk about that scene, you do not get the sense this came from a hateful place. You get the sense it came from an ignorant place, right? Mm-hmm. They aren't saying it which is like was my fear. I was gonna listen to the commentary and they were gonna say some like really awful shit about, you know, like trans people or something. And Uh, They don't... They kind of just go like... Oh, you know, like... You would... When you're out in New York City... You see people like this. So we wrote it into the movie. And I'm like... Alright. And they also say that Woody Harrelson... Actually looked really good in drag. (laughs) Which they kind of can't stop talking about. But... Uh, right. uh, But then... all right. so... The scene is like... So... So... uh, Woody Harrelson's a sex worker. So... They're like... Alright, well, what are we gonna do? With the... And then... Sandler's like, no, no, I'm not into this. He like freaks out, and Woody Woody Harrelson leaves, and Nicholson goes, "Okay, you uh, you you've gone up a level in my group. You've learned the difference between righteous anger and regular anger." And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like,
0: yeah, his his whole methodology like as a character doesn't actually like make any sense yeah it's just what I'm saying like, is... it's just saying things like and I, yeah, yeah it's, it's more complicated than that but it does lead into to why his characters like whole deal doesn't make any sense
1: at best that's what this it is it's a, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. and that's not what the scene's about at worst the scene is kind of implying that it's okay to get angry at a trans person if you find out they have a dick
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is not a great message. No.
0: It is it is possibly the worst message.
1: Yes. Um I don't think that's what they were saying, honestly.
0: At but he's not trying to, it's just
1: They weren't trying yeah. to say it, but yeah, that's a bad scene and it's bad and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> um Nicholson sings bibbity bobbity boo when uh, he's um, doing his hair in the following scene with that weird electric thing. <laughs> which I learned from the commentary is, I guess, a real product. Um, they had to get permission from fucking Michael Eisner <laughs> what? to use Bibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo from Cinderella. Oh, my God. Even though he's just singing it.
0: Adam Sandler has the fucking strangest connections in Hollywood.
1: Honestly, from what I learned, I think the biggest thing I learned from the commentary is that Sandler is very savvy about the entertainment industry. Like he knows executives, and he, I, he's, fr- he seems to be friends with like every executive out there. So I think that's what I learned ultimately, because mm. when when he tells the Sondheim story, he also shouts out some executive that got him in touch with Sondheim.
0: You know what? This makes a lot of sense mm. for how and the commentary like opens blew. with him
1: with over the logos being like. Yeah, everyone at Columbia we're real I'm g I am really get along with these guys and Revolution Studios. Like he's he they he talks
0: a lot about the people at these companies he gets along with. Yeah. Well I mean like er- everyone always talks like highly of working with Sander. Maybe yeah. not highly, but like they get along. But, and one like... of
1: his, uh is one of his producers appears in the movie. Um towards the end, uh Sid uh Gannis, I think his name is. He's the guy. Remember, like the three guys are like outside his door, and they all start yelling, and this guy comes out. He's like, "Hey, could you keep it down?" And they start freaking out on him. Yeah, that guy's Sid Gannis, who produced uh, some of Happy, some Happy Madison movies, and is the former president of the Academy. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> so, yeah,
0: so that, that guy, totally makes sense that his career would like still be able to flourish even after a couple bombs.
1: Yeah, how you get seventy-five million dollars to make a movie that looked like it cost ten dollars? <laughs> Um, Nicholson gets a funny moment when, uh, Sandler, like, pranks him, and says, like, oh, your mother's in the hospital. <laughs> which is not a good prank. No. Frankly. Um, but, uh, he does a lot of, like, oh, mom, what did I do without you? I thought that was funny. <laughs> the, like, ugly crying Nicholson. Um. They destroy a car. Uh, which is a reference to a real thing Nicholson did. Oh. Oh. Um, Nicholson really did smash a guy's window with a golf club once. Uh, I can't remember the circumstances. (laughs) He did not then back it over a thing and then it fell down, but, uh, he did do that. So it's weird that that's in the movie. Um, I guess he, but I I think Nicholson smashed it and then did leave the, do the thing where he left, like, a card and said, like, I'll pay for it, call me.
0: (laughs) Well, at least he offered to pay.
1: Yeah, so, uh that's uh that's nicholson
0: yeah yeah um uh, and then we get
1: into the heather graham scene
0: which you can talk about well i just wanted to say like heather graham's like a good actress who just kind of doesn't also get a lot of roles like <laughs> not to be a think.
1: dick i'm not sure if heather graham's a good actress
0: oh okay, okay
1: i think she's fine i think she does a good job with certain material
0: there there are worse actors out there who get more opportunities is yes yes Yes. and it's not like she's not like attractive. That's not clearly not like a, a, a stopping her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like I, I don't know. It, it's weird who who gets to, to have like a a viable profitable career and who's like yeah. pops up once in a while. And it's like
1: I don't know. I, I like her and stuff. Yeah, you know. I think she has one of those shows that got canceled after like the first episode. Oh, which was like a big news story, and everyone's like her career's over. And then she did
0: like The Hangover the next year. Yeah. <laughs> see like even those fucking hangover sequels don't bring her back they bring her back in three. Oh, yeah but that's not a real movie uh, no none of those movies are real the first one at least i get as like a 2000s like mm-hmm. like gem not not gem but you know what i'm saying like a, it's, we're it's, talking a... about
1: fucking poorly aged movies um well, yeah
0: but the first one like i get people still like holding it in higher regard yeah the other two are are atrocious
1: we honestly as a society not to be like uh, uh, pearl clutching but we need to do something about the amount of people that think the, think Joker was like an actual masterpiece <laughs> like it's becoming a problem like that's going to be a big problem going
0: forward I think we just need to have a, a better arts education system in place we need government funded arts yeah but the
1: government's not going to do it we got to get ourselves out of this problem like every
0: problem right now we got to do it uh, you're, you're probably right yeah
1: we got to strike until they strip Joker of its academy award nominations and one win <laughs>
0: You know, I haven't really felt the the energy to do anything else about the problems in this country, but I agree with you. There we go. I feel like this is this is going to be a big push moving forward.
1: It's going to be. I'm going to sneak that in when, when the general strike happens, and we're writing our manifesto. I'm sneaking that one in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like no, just watch Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, <laughs> all copies of Joker and Network. will
1: be <laughs> with Taxi Driver, Network, and King of Comedy. Yeah. Um. Two things about the heathergram sequence. One, um, that's where that famous Nicholson gif comes from. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and two, uh, she's a former, we find out she's a former client of Nicholson, right? hmm And she had a boyfriend. Here's the weird thing, is that it, it's implied that she is irrationally angry about, like, her body, right? Right, right. Um, when in reality, it's very clear she just had a very bad boyfriend. Mm-hmm and that's what you should have been dealing with and it, it it's very clear from this sequence that even though she's a former patient of nicholson's um
0: he did not help her <laughs> <laughs> although was that was also planted though so she was supposed to be freaking out i don't know It seemed pretty real <laughs> I, I mean that that's totally the movie's problem again i don't know what you're supposed to feel for me other than uncomfortable Un- uncomfortabil uncomfortability. <laughs> there yes. you go. Fuck. Um, and it doesn't like I. I just have more questions about everything that happens.
1: And uh, all right, here's the here's another thing. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson visited the set during this sequence. Hmm. Um, I guess the aftermath scene. PTA was on sets. Oh, okay. So I talk about that in the commentary a little bit. Oh, okay.
0: Good. Good buddies, I guess.
1: And uh, we find out Nicholson got him back because he like sold Sandler out for what happened to his girlfriend. Blah blah blah. That's all conflict. Yeah, doesn't really matter. But what does matter is that uh, Nicholson is now going to take him to confront his childhood bully, <laughs> Arnie Shankman, played by uh, John C. Riley,
0: also connected to PTA.
1: Yes, and he in the time being he has become a Buddhist monk. <laughs>
0: I gotta be honest, that revelation was a little funny.
1: That is a little funny. I wish they had <laughs> actually, like, stuck with it a little bit, though. Yeah. Like, because he gets... He kind of breaks a little too quickly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because Nicholson's like, he's your bully, confront him. And Santa keeps trying to confront him, and he's being like, David, as you can understand, I was dealing with a lot then. <laughs> and I have since achieved enlightenment, like... It it would be funny to see Sandler like keep trying to do something and they I they should have found a better way to like have that breaking moment. Or
0: or just not have it. Like if this was like a, a better film hmm. Just like have him like like the confrontation not be like like angry, like just have him be like, no, like that, well, that was wrong of me as a child and Here's the thing.
1: So uh this, this eventually leads to a fight, uh, which I guess John C. Riley did all his own fighting.
0: Oh, good for him, I guess. And
1: that's really John C. Riley's ass in the movie, by the way.
0: Oh, congratulations, John.
1: Found that out from the commentary. Uh, and they provoke him, mainly, by uh, implying that was sexually assaulted his crazy sister.
0: So, listeners, as you can hear, every time we're like, no, no, this is actually pretty funny there's a there's instantly a scene immediately following that that we kind of have to just just deal with the...
1: what makes these scenes worse too is how committed Nicholson is to the bit yeah <laughs> but uh so it's it starts a fight whatever Nicholson pulls a gun <laughs> what ends up being a squirt gun why he did that I don't know Yeah. Um, but they do get chased out by Buddhists, which is a funny visual. And that's really Nicholson running, by the way. Nicholson did his own stunts, including he falls over in one of the takes, and he improvised that and was fine, but everyone on set panicked because they thought they had injured Jack Nicholson.
0: <laughs> that That's pretty great. Um, I would also panic if I thought I injured Jack Nicholson, Hollywood um, screen legend.
1: So I guess here's the thing I was going towards, is that at the end of that scene, Nicholson's like, you've reached level three. Now, one, we don't even get a lesson that was taught here. Like, at least in the Woody Harrelson scene, there was, like, you learn the difference between righteous anger and whatever. Here he just goes you're at level three.
0: Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> to make matters worse, I don't know about you, Matt, but if in your anger management training you managed to piss off a group of Buddhists, people in are Tori, their them, fascism, to get them to chase you out of, of their temple? That's probably not a good sign.
1: You provoke a man into picking a fight with you because you lie about sexually assaulting his sister. <laughs> I don't think that he did. And to me, it's like, well, a better version of this scene might be John C. Riley not backing down, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Nicholson ramping things up. And then maybe... Uh, he's supposed to get angry at Nicholson and be like, I'm not going to confront him and be like, there's the lesson. Like, no, you you don't have to confront this guy. Like, he has, you know, there's, you're not going to get anything out of this, but you have to stand up to me because I'm provoking you into fighting this guy, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, I've, I've taught you a, ter- a lesson about directing your anger, right? <laughs> but then you don't get the comedy shot of them running out with the Buddhist behind them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, who's to say what's really the right decision there? Who who, who can say? Yeah. Fucking movie. It's so long. There's still more. I know. There's so
1: much in this fucking movie. Um, but
0: it's not that fun, like, to watch. It's just, it really
1: is It. There's, like I said, there's moments, but uh, uh, unfortunately, it probably ranks, like, somewhere in the, in the upper middle of my Sandler ranking at this point
0: probably just i mean it's got jack nicholson yeah that's the thing. nicholson kind of like elevates it a little bit I, i'd say a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah he elevates it a lot of it um, um like, like what's the worst jack nicholson movie like really think about it because we'll, well there's too many we'll never do like a full nicholson retrospective
1: yeah i'm not sure because i've only i think i've only watched like the good nicholson movies i'm sure there's bad ones out there
0: oh no completely everyone's everyone's got some like, I mean, obviously Batman's in the lower ring, but... How dare you. I'm just kidding. Um,
1: he did that James L. Brooks movie, no one remembers. Oh, yeah. That I can't even remember. I, have, I
0: haven't I have seen that one, yeah.
1: And he got paid $5 million to be in it and do all his lines through
0: an earpiece. Fantastic. Um, so See, it's bad know. when Johnny Depp does it, but it's awesome when Jack Nicholson did it. I mean, hey. Yeah, not a joke. I, I completely mean that. Um, the bucket list, which isn't very good, but it... bucket list
1: pretty bad. But like, here's the thing: like, there's bad Nicholson movies, and he's good in them.
0: Yeah, and he's great in it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's Rob Reiner. Like, I, I like Rob Reiner. I'm gonna be nice yeah, to Rob I, Reiner. I kind of hate that movie.
1: Really? <laughs> you know what? I had this weird thing where it was like, so I, like you have to treat movies on your own level. But uh, another person who hated the movie was Roger Ebert, <laughs> and Roger Ebert and I kind of came from a similar place where it's like. After being in the hospital, the last thing you fucking want to do is, like, a bunch of crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we both kind of came to, at it from that, like, pissed-off angle. Okay, okay. And that was his review, and that, that was my feelings, kind of. Okay, okay, so so no
0: on the bucket list. Have you seen Wolf?
1: You know what? I've never seen Wolf. I know its reputation,
0: Yeah. but I've never seen it. I've seen it. I saw it on TNT, and then I saw it again a couple years back. That that's a good movie. <laughs> I've
1: heard the the take I've heard from it is that like it starts really well. Like it it's a it has a very good beginning and then it like fucks up towards the
0: end. I'd probably agree that the, the, the ending's the least interesting stuff, but like it's it's good. Mm-hmm. You'll I think you'll like it. Well, didn't Mike Nichols direct it. Yeah.
1: I think a lot of people who approach it kind of approach it from the Mike Nichols angle and maybe Compared to his other films, it's pretty bad. hmm. Should I watch The Two Jakes? Um, People like that movie.
0: Okay, okay. I mean, you're following up Chinatown. It's going to be, like, downhill. But then there's yeah, also so no Roman that's... Polanski, which is uphill. So
1: Yeah. The problem is Roman Polanski, unfortunately, was a good director.
0: Oh, yeah. No, Chinatown is still one of the greatest films you'll ever see. Yeah, that's... Uh, Roman Polanski should be, like... I'm not going to say it, but he should he should be unalived.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to say it.
0: Yeah. Uh, his, his life... If, it was, if his life was taken from him, it would not be the worst thing to happen on this planet. That's all yeah. I'm saying.
1: How do like the fucking weirdos, like awful monsters of Hollywood live so long? <laughs> I already talked about
0: it, but it's because he's in Europe. I guess. And, and Europe has all... The... The weird guys, but also that's not like true. Kirk, Kirk is Douglas,
1: is. like hang in until he was a hundred and two.
0: Yeah, that's fucking nuts. And then, and
1: here's hope that Harvey Weinstein just hangs on for as long as possible in prison.
0: Yeah, because part of me wants him to die like immediately, but I'm like, nah, that's too good. That's well, too I want to get
1: him. constant stories about how his health is failing.
0: Yeah, every Even once no clear... in a while they come out, and it it, it feels pretty good. Frankly. Yeah, but, like, it's also,
1: like, clearly, like, a ploy by his lawyers to get him out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I want them to just keep doing that for, like, ten years and then he doesn't get out and then he dies.
0: <sighs> if only. A fitting end. <laughs> or he dies before he hears that he's able to get out. Um... So he he never knows. Or he
1: gets out and gets hit by a bus.
0: No, no, he's got to die in prison, I think.
1: No, no, he gets out, he takes, like, two steps, gets hit by a prison bus. So they have to take him to the prison hospital. <laughs> and they His keep on life support because he technically is still alive. And then there's, like, a whole debate over, like, do we pull the plug or not for, like, weeks. And then they pull the plug.
0: Fantastic.
1: But then, you know, when they pull the plug, you know, you can't, you can't really... They're just pulling the things out that keep you alive. Sometimes when they do that, the person can hold on for a long time in agony so uh, so he wakes
0: up in the coffin
1: yes <laughs> amazing
0: anyways why not Harvey Weinstein is not in anger management
1: yeah I wonder if they'll ever cross paths I can't think of a Sandler Weinstein thing
0: if he did in Glorious Bastards he would've
1: he would've yeah um but also uh the movie Sandy Sandy Wexler has like tons of Hollywood cameos in it so maybe he'll pop up in that um, we'll see yeah uh there's a failed proposal. All right, there's a whole bunch of shit that really doesn't matter, but like he, his girlfriend kind of breaks up with him because he won't propose, which is also a bad lesson like that you're being pressured by your girlfriend into proposing. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to get married, yes, propose to your girlfriend, but if you don't be honest, and also if you're being honest about that, then don't get too fucking pissed if she leaves because she wants to get married.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you got to be fucking be honest about where you're at in the relationship.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just it's fucking... You learn this lesson in, like, the first grade. Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, just, it's just fucking I will human say that. nature. The reason why our
1: society is so fucked is that you learn all the right lessons when you're in first grade, right? Mm-hmm. And then everything in our society incentivizes you to do the exact
0: opposite. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what happens.
1: So, it's like, no, you learned all the right lessons, but, uh, yeah, you're going to have to be the the sociopaths get rich which isn't a lesson you want to teach people because then they might start questioning capitalism (laughs) and good thing
0: no one's doing that now
1: yeah good thing that Squid Game bombed horribly Mm mhm
0: um it's almost like we all see the writing on the wall
1: yeah it's well that's a again like if you're in a weird spot find comfort in the fact that a lot of people seem to be picking up on the same shit now the right wing response to this is to constantly paint everything bad about capitalism to actually be communism. <laughs> so that's all we got to really watch out for currently. But hey, people are people are picking up on some shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also, it's weird that we don't talk about how many of the great thinkers in the early uh, 20th century were socialists, like yeah. Mark Twain. Anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Or, like, how much classic cinema was basically born out of socialist movements or straight-up Marxism.
1: Yeah. That uh, the McCarthy witch hunt happened for a reason. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was to shut the people the fuck up.
0: Yeah, was well, isn't there that great bit in uh, Austin Powers, which is a weird movie to reference at this point, oh, yeah. but when he wakes up from being under ice and he's like, oh, we won the Cold War. Finally, those capitalist dogs will get their... Yeah, their those job. capitalist
1: pigs will pay for their crimes. He's like, no, Austin, we won. It's like, oh, all right, yay, capitalism.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I should rewatch was... that. That joke always made me laugh, but, like, I... There's
1: actually really good stuff in the first, uh... Siri, I missed that. Whoa. What the fuck was that? That was my Siri. Siri, what did you miss? I know. I... Is Timmy trapped in a well, Siri?
0: <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in the episode, because it's just totally off the rails now, but, like, I don't know what caused that.
1: Hey, what are you gonna do?
0: That's, that's a little scary, um... Yeah, all right. the, the, let's get into the ending then so we can wrap well, up. Well, we're, but... we're
1: getting into all that. Nicholson, it turns out, is like swooping in to, to Steele's girlfriend. At least that's what it looks like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He keeps me like, no, no, this is all part of the plan. She'll see how much of an asshole I am, and then she'll come back to you, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's like, I'm helping you. And uh, I got a, probably the best acting moment from Nicholson in this movie is when he comes back to be like, you're going to worship me like a god when I tell you what went down. And he starts talking about it. He's like, yeah, you know, I was a dick, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, a five-second kiss on the head. And then he's like, what was that last part? And he's like, yeah, yeah five-second, ten-second kiss. Like, the way Nicholson, like, keeps, like, subtly upping how long they kiss. <laughs> I honestly really like that. <laughs> um, Sandler assaults Nicholson. They end up back in court.
0: Blah, blah, blah. I don't think anything really happens as a result of that. No, but, like, it, it's... It's played up like like Dave's going to lose uh, Marissa Tomei.
1: To Nicholson, who it turns out is a fake, and he's rigged the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and also
0: it... less sense, arguably.
1: <laughs> Here's a weird thing. He, there's a scene where he stands up to his boss by handing him the fat cat catalog, and he's, like, photoshopped the boss in, like, a bunch of compromising images, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then it's revealed Adam Covert got the promotion instead of Sandler. Like, shouldn't that have come first? Yeah. Um, that's weird. That is, does have a great line. Oh, so his name's not Fat-Ass Cat. It's Meatball, and he's eating your crab cakes right now.
0: Yeah, and then you get the cut to Meatball eating the crab. That's, that's pretty good. Meatball rules. Yeah, Meatball's the... Take two things away from this film. Or three things away. Marissa Tomei's great. Jack Nicholson is a rock star. And Meatball the Cat is one of the gr- cinema's greatest cats. Alright, here is
1: something in the commentary, and I could not tell if it was a joke or not. Mainly because the director is very unfunny, unfortunately. Aww. Um No offense to the guy. Uh, but uh, he is talking about... They were talking about the visual effect shots, which they talked about a lot. Um, the climax of this movie takes place at Yankee Stadium. There's a mix of, you know, actual footage at the stadium... And then stuff they did on a set, and then stuff they did when the place was closed, and uh, they had to CGI people in, right? Mm-hmm. I could not tell, but according to uh, the director, the audience is full of uh, CGI Toby Maguire Spider-Man.
0: What like this is
1: this movie's produced by Sony. When they were developing the CGI model for Toby Maguire Spider Man, they made like hundreds of variations, right? To like <laughs> test it. And so they were just sitting on a hard drive somewhere. So the the stadium is stacked with CGI Toby Maguire Spider Man. <laughs>
0: This movie in is like, streaming on HBO Max right now. Let me take a look. Hang on.
1: <laughs> in like tons of different uh, clothing, I guess, but I don't know what shots he was talking about. So like, I tried, I couldn't really tell. But uh, yeah, that's what that's according to the director.
0: That's uh, that's that's a lot. Um, I will say, uh, the the digital effects stuff actually looks really good i guess yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty seamless yeah like i think there's a bit where sandler's out on the field and that i think you could tell is fake but like only if you're really looking yeah <laughs> like it's not
1: it's pretty good i will say this a shocking amount of the driving was real so
0: yeah that that's that's pretty great um i i, I don't know about anyone else but i i tend to be able to see when the driving is is like rear projection or whatever the fuck they use now i i can really notice it um Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to television shows which i totally get it's it's super easy you don't need to mount anything onto a car that's a whole long process obviously if you're short on time and money do do the rear projection stuff Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: i do notice it is all i'm saying and for 75 million dollars I expect it to look really fucking good. And, you know, we're we're saying the movie looks cheap. The the digital stuff is is like really good. I guess that's where all the money went. And to Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson and Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei.
1: What about opera singer Robert Merrill's cameo?
0: Oh, doesn't he tackle Adam Sandler? Yeah,
1: he does because Sandler takes his microphone. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) That's pretty funny. This kid's lost his marbles. I think he says something <laughs> like that. He's like, that's my microphone. <laughs> um, oh, Miss just... John McEnroe had a cameo earlier.
0: Uh, should we mention the big one? Um, do you mean Derek Jeter? No.
1: Do you mean Roger Clemens?
0: You know who I'm talking about.
1: Well, in the most poorly aged thing imaginable... <laughs> The hero of this movie ends up being Former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani Who, uh, after Sandler storms the field Inexplicably, something Giuliani never would do Stands up and says, let the man speak
0: Post 9-11 America was um,
1: We were out of our fucking minds Yeah I mean, hey, I saw this as a kid. I was like, hey, it's the mayor of New York. (laughs) I
0: thought it was a good thing. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. I mean, Giuliani, doesn't he get a a cameo in Seinfeld, too? Or at least, like, praise in Seinfeld? I don't remember. Giuliani
1: has a weird history where, like, New York has these weird ups and downs of loving him and hating him, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. And now, don't worry, everyone. We're just sticking to the hate.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it seems like that's not going to go away now.
0: Yeah. Remember um, when he was, like, his body was decomposing on live television?
1: Oh, yeah. What was that about? Um, he's he, he's a crazy person, is what it is. <laughs> um, remember when he was the 2008 frontrunner for the Republican nomination?
0: You know what? That, that might have made things even worse. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't go down that way. <laughs>
1: Now here's the thing, is this cameo worse or is John McCain's cameo on Parks and Rex worse?
0: I think John McCain's in Parks and Rex because that's a very good natured show. Yeah. With everyone's talked about how the more liberal politics of that show have aged not great. In fact they've aged quite terribly. Yes. Um but the characters and like the heart of the show are kind enough that it makes them even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I like all those characters, you know. And, and someone uh, pointed out that yeah. Parks
1: and Rec probably has the greatest mix of genuinely good comedy and stuff that is probably criminal.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, all the NBC shows of that era um, had weird reactions to sex work and stuff.
1: Well, yeah, but that's that's our culture in general, frankly.
0: Yeah, that's, that's mean, probably true.
1: I think that's we haven't really like we think we're shifting on it. We really haven't. I think we'll start to in the coming years, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're still going to see really cheap uh, sex worker jokes. Yeah.
0: Like, even Boss Burgers is like, when that first starts popping up in the show, it's it's a little unclear if it's a joke or if it's just, like, cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's a weird, like, you know, some people go, like, only a fucking person at the lowest ebb of their life would do this. And then, like, a lot of sex workers are like, no, you're like, I wanted to do this. <laughs> and I would like to be treated like a worker because I am one. Mm hmm. And uh, it's all part of our society's inability to admit that what women do can, is, counts as labor, <laughs> including the literal labor they do.
0: Did you hear that, uh, I don't know if it's all California, but at least L.A. is, is uh, having, of what the fuck are they called? I'm sorry, I'm like totally out of it this morning. Uh, they're making women materials accessible in like high schools and... And middle schools. What are they making accessible? I, I've i totally blanked on it. Um, they use it for their periods. What the fuck are they called?
1: Tampons?
0: Thank you. They're making tampons accessible uh, to young girls for free in all school restrooms. Which is like I thought
1: that was already a thing. No. Apparently my high not. School, my high school had them. What the
0: fuck? Okay, then maybe California is just behind the times.
1: Maybe it's just mandatory now. Maybe it was like voluntary. Mm-hmm. Like, although maybe they had to put a quarter in. I don't know. Like,
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. know. But the, the point is, I know those it's machines, publicly available to, to young girls now. And it's like, yeah, that's weird that that wasn't before.
1: Forever. I bet you it's one of those things where, like, Catholic schools probably didn't have them.
0: Oh, I completely believe that. I bet you that was
1: it. Hmm. That I ever tell you, one what, what what of my
0: friends who I went to high school with, he's, he's Buddhist, but he went to Catholic school with us for uh, in high school because it was like...
1: Man, that's a pivot.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a big <laughs> pivot. And he still, he still practices Buddhism. He's not Catholic. and um, But he, he had to take a Catholicism class at the school, right?
1: Uh, wait, was he a Buddhist when he went to Catholic school? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. How'd he get in?
0: Um, you didn't have to be Catholic to go, but you had to take Catholic classes. Okay. And so uh our yeah, the
1: Catholics are fucking desperate these days,
0: basically, yeah, and our our uh one of our Catholic teachers he was real real piece of shit um you gotta be, yeah, no he was he was like an excessive piece of shit though, and uh he straight up told the class like you know like uh non-catholics will go to hell and remain in hell until they um you know see the light and yada yada, all you know real Old hey, that's a little—that's a little more open, honestly. Yeah, uh-huh. but uh, uh, my friend was in well, the here's class, the thing. Hold and on. he was like, uh, "Does that mean me?" He's like, "Oh yeah, you too." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa."
1: <laughs> here's a question though, about that guy's version of hell. So it's like they will go to hell until they see the light, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the moment I get to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to realize, <laughs> oh shit, they were right. <laughs> like, that's a, that, that would take a good 30 <laughs> seconds.
0: <laughs> so Yeah, I don't know. The more closed-minded religious people don't really see other people very highly, I've found anyways.
1: It's probably because they have a bunch of secret doubt, and so they think, so they have to work really hard to believe, and they think belief is actually this really hard thing. Mm-hmm. When it's not really. <laughs> no. But. No, it's not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if, if I got to hell, I'd be like, oh, okay, they were right. <laughs> I think not yeah, know no, I'll be aware I'm good. Repentance and shit. Get me out of yeah. here.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, Woody Harrelson also makes another cameo in the finale. Oh, yeah,
1: Woody, Woody ends up saving the day, kind of.
0: Oh, I can't stop Love. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's kind of a funny, sweet little moment. Yeah. Makes you almost forget about the horrible scene he was in earlier. God, how the fuck is, I now pronounce you, Chuck and Larry going to play? Like. If you have to ask, you're not going to like the answer.
1: I, I, just, ugh. That's just going to be the classic, like, having your cake and eating it too, you know? Like. Where it's like, we can do all these gay jokes jokes because a gay person is saying them, you know? Um, I like how Rudy Giuliani is so central to the plot, the Wikipedia has to mention him in the plot description. Let me take a look. So security captures him, but New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani orders (laughs) them to allow Dave to speak.
0: (laughs) What Uh, a fucking different time.
1: He proposes in front of everyone, and then kisses her. Rudy Giuliani encourages him to give her a five-second friendship, which was Nicholson's suggestion to Giuliani.
0: Jesus, I will say, apart from the horrible Rudy Giuliani stuff in this, it's kind of a, a sweet classical attempt at doing like a classic romance thing, like the, yeah. the big love proposal. And I could actually kind of buy into it if the movie was like stronger. You know, if it focused more on that stuff. Uh, And I I actually did kind of like the, that's the moment that Dave has to, like, really overcome something. Mm Because as a kid, he got, like, embarrassed in public. It's like his, his, uh, he has, like, intimacy problems in public. Yeah. It's like, okay, that makes sense. That tracks. That's the one thing that tracks in the movie. I think
1: a a lot of average American men have. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be a good lesson, but this movie doesn't really... None of the lessons really dealt with that, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it turns out... Oh, um, Nicholson was in on it the whole time. And uh, Also once planned. again in shadows. Yeah. Which is... It's a weird callback to his first scene. It feels like that's going to be the last shot. But then the movie continues so they can explain exactly what Nicholson did. <laughs> um, Alright, here is probably the weirdest thing I learned from the commentary. Oh, boy. Um... So, they're at the park. uh, um, Sandler, Marissa Tomei, Nicholson, and the whole anger management group. They're all friends now, apparently. Um, They're all hanging out in the park, having a good time. And he's like, oh, thank you, Dr. Rydell. And some guy's like, did you say Dr. Rydell? And was like, yeah, why? He's like, I found this card on the top of my Lexus, which is the car that was destroyed earlier. Guy pulls a fucking gun, right? (laughs) Mm-hmm. So this guy inspired the movie. He's a friend of Sandler's who got in a bar fight and got sentenced to anger management. Uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, every little like tidbit of information you're giving me from this commentary... Is literally leaving me speechless. It's only
1: the tip of the iceberg, man. I could not keep up with some of this stuff.
0: (laughs) I have to buy an anger management DVD now. You do. You do. I have to listen to this fucking commentary track because, wow, holy shit. Um, But then it turns out it's a squirt
1: gun and it was a prank. And they all start singing I Feel Pretty, except for the turtle who jumps out of a tree because he's having (laughs) grenade flashbacks. (laughs) <laughs> still so
0: fucking funny. Yeah, John Turturro. My neighbor John Turturro rocks. I just love seeing him in these. Um...
1: And I will say, I do kind of like the final shot of them all dancing in a circle to I Feel Pretty.
0: Yeah, no, like for, for this kind of movie, that's fine. That, whatever, you know. It works well enough. I do so... still think if you wanted to have this be like a real film, you would have ended it at, at the ball game, like we talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah but
0: sure, um, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better way to end it. Uh,
0: yeah, it's Anger $75 Management. $75 million
1: dollar budget made $195 million worldwide.
0: So Matt, would you recommend if you had to choose Anger Management or Empire of the Sun? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a pretty difficult choice.
1: We're going to have to think about <laughs> this one. Um, Empire of the Sun, easily.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's still, uh, I think, a fantastic movie. I actually want to watch it again. Yeah, yeah, same. Like, it, I was really moved by it. Um, Anger and Management, I will watch again for the commentary track, because there's not nearly enough good here, unfortunately. But fuck, man, it really reminded me, I'm not watching a lot of Jack Nicholson movies lately, and I might go start doing that again.
1: It is something that reminds you of how much you miss... Uh you miss Nicholson as a screen presence. Yeah. Now, I'm in agreement that, like, it's totally fine if he's in retirement, but uh, it's, you know, Nicholson ruled, and mm-hmm. um, this this movie doesn't, really. No, but, no it does not. But <laughs> uh, if you're interested at all, just follow me on Twitter, at otn one because I'll probably be posting the scenes I like occasionally
0: <laughs> that that's that's a good way of uh segueing into plugs you could also follow me at the diego crespo check out the rest of the waffle press retrospectives on twitter youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon and get early access to a couple more we're doing this year we're segueing into something else probably by this point uh there's a couple things we want to touch on before the end of december and in january of 2022 so I think we could squeeze in one more Happy Amblin at least before Maybe that.
1: Maybe. If we if we do, what
0: movies will it be? If we do, it will be... I'm, pu- I'm pulling up right now. Hang on. <laughs> Spanglish and the Last Crusade. Hey! Uh, oh, no. You know what? Excuse me. 51st Date and the Last Crusade.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, hey. so this
0: guy uh, who directed Anger Management worked back-to-back with Sandler.
1: Hey, now. We not Spanglish in a year
0: oh Spanglish, everyone's favorite right? It's Punch Drunk Love Spanglish Funny uncut People gems. and then Uncut Gems
1: here's something I did learn from the commentary about 51st uh, Dates they were talking about it during the commentary and it was originally titled 51st Kisses
0: hmm I guess dates tested better
1: I guess Dates is a little less creepy. Yeah. Do you know the premise of that movie? I'm, I'm familiar. Okay. I was going to be interested if you did. <laughs> no,
0: no. It's uh, another movie where you recognize that times are very different. <laughs> That's all I'll say for now. Yeah, yeah. But until then, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> thanks for watching. Uh, there's probably more plugs, but they'll be in the description below. Why not? Yeah. We have been professionally unprofessional.